Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jack. Austin Lane. He's a former Jack star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anna Jar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Bring the Tampa Bay Rays to Jacksonville. I love you Canadians, but I don't care if they go to Montreal. Who who signed off on that? Like, whose idea was that? I like, think, hey, I think, I have to look into it more, but I it just came out in the last hour and I've been stuck in some meetings, but I think... Uh, I think it's the Rays pushing it because they want a new stadium there in Tampa. And so they come up with the idea of saying, hey, uh, we're going to force your hand. We want to work out a deal where we split the season, Tampa, Montreal. Could there be any of a worse idea than splitting it to Some Canada? Some people like the idea. Ooh, I, I, I want names uh, and I want receipts. Yeah, this is kind of a threatening tone for me and I apologize, but I want names and I want receipts. Well, Jack Dan likes the idea, and I said why. He said because you can't have MLB games attended by 5,000 people for a team that's 12 games over 500. Well, I agree no, with that's, that. That's the but, point. I mean, I get that point, but then just move them out of Tampa. Obviously, Tampa can sustain an MLB team, so you move them someplace else where a city that they can sustain. Because let me tell you something, and we can get into this later, Brent, but there are so many issues with splitting your season in Canada and in Tampa. Number one that sticks out to me, like if I was a baseball player and I'm a free agent, yeah, I want to live half my time in Tampa, half my time in Canada, and then pay the state income tax of each of those states. Well, not a state, I guess a province, right? What they call it? A province yeah, tax? or just country. <laughs> okay. Well, no, to, to be fair, though, you, you don't pay a country tax. Yeah, that's true. You pay a province well, tax. Well, you do pay a federal tax. Okay, well, there you go. Well, go ahead and take geography So now you more. could take two federal taxes, and uh, there's no state income tax in Florida, so you're not paying that one. But you're also and paying Canada, Canada, which is pretty pricey. Tax, is that what they would call it? Well, I'm saying you're, you're paying the tax in Canada, which is not cheap by any single like, but, any uh, means. But that $1 million contract in oh. Canadian dollars is pretty good, isn't it? All right, it? cool, Brent. So, all right, then, man. So if you're a pro baseball player, you want to go play in Canada. I didn't say I want Okay. Happen. I'm just saying the, the, the exchange it, rate I, isn't I a good exchange rate. You're asking the wrong dude there. Kuz, <laughs> what is the exchange rate from uh, Canadian dollars to, is it called dollars even? One Canadian dollar equals 0.76 U.S. dollars. So that's good. That's what I'm saying. So yeah, if you, yeah. In so Canada, so you'd, you'd be making more. So if you a million dollars, you'd be making more than a million dollars. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Wait, so then do you get paid? In U.S. dollars, or do you get paid in both? Listen, I mean, these stop are, bringing hey, up these crazy these questions are, at the start of the show. How are these crazy questions, man? These because are, they're not there yet. This is a form of, and I don't know those answers. Okay. That's why they're well, crazy. This is a questions. professional athlete that's been in the business in terms of contracts that wants to know these answers. I would just say, make sure you put me in Canada Here, in the summer months to do sort of the math. <laughs> well, I guess this doesn't really help because if you if you if you're making a hundred dollars in Canada, you're technically getting seventy five dollars in America. So. There we go. You're, yeah, you're making more. But well, you already told us that a dollar and seventy six. I know. I, I know. It, the, the the site didn't so, do a million. It doesn't, so let's just say, it doesn't yeah. let me go that high. So, by the way, you should have just plagiarized something. Uh, Seven hundred and sixty thousand dollars. If your contract is that, would be a million in Canada. Yeah. My goodness. That's not the moral of this story. What's the moral of the story? The moral of this story is when you split a city. And by the way, it's been a discussion. They split a franchise in two cities and two countries, never mind two states. Like this discussion has taken place in Jacksonville before. Yeah. The Jaguars in London half the year, in Jacksonville half the year. 
And these listen. I mean, we. I, I've never been a big believer the Jaguars were ever even or or ever even thinking of moving to London. But these ideas and, and these these uh, circumstances have been floated around in the past. And now here's the Rays. Actually, it looks like they have indicate they have ignited the conversation of saying, well, what if we did this? What I would only say is if you're going to do something like that, why don't you just stay in Florida, stay and go to Orlando, come to Jacksonville, yeah. be that team that kind of moves around. But you could do it in three, within a four-hour radius, you could do it in three different pretty big cities here uh, in, in the state of Florida. I, I think it's a dumb idea. I think this is a power play by the Rays to say, hey, we want a new stadium. You guys haven't voted on a new stadium. We were close to at least having a really good idea uh, in, what is it, Ebor uh, over there in the Tampa area? Okay. That's where they I've wanted. Been to Ebor a couple times. Well, that's where they wanted to put the stadium because why? What's happening in, like, the Ebor area? I, I don't, I'm not familiar with it, but it's happening, right? It's like a yeah. good area, like a, an area like where there's life. stuff going on. Yeah. 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 Well, that's what they want. There's nothing going on in St. Petersburg, nothing going on where the Tampa Rays live. And they, they have an awful stadium, and they know it. Yeah, so there's not... nothing attractive. Not even winning is attractive. They have a good baseball team, and nobody goes to their baseball games. Like the Miami Marlins, nobody goes to their baseball games, but they stink. Like they're not very good. They got rid of all their stars. Uh, the, the Tampa Bay Rays are good. And they still can't get people inside that stadium. I, Have you I, ever been to that stadium? Yes, it's awful. I know, isn't it the worst? It's, it's the funny. worst. It, some like, people actually like it, and I and I I can't believe this? it. So it's so funny. We went. To, and I forgot who the. It wasn't in a pretty uneventful game, but we went to a Rays game. It was uh, Richie Sex and Bobblehead night. So that was probably the, the the highlight of the night. I got my Richie Sex and Bobblehead doll. Um, shout out to the Brewers. And uh, as we were leaving, uh, the Rays won. And uh, I'm just like, ah, that was cool. And like some lady like, overheard me. She's like, oh, you gotta stay for the best part. I'm like. Oh, there's like a best part. Fireworks? No. Uh, she's like, check out this stadium in a couple minutes. Or, you know, there's, and it's like a giant dome, by the way. They play inside, obviously. And I'm like, what do you mean check it out? She goes, they light up the top orange when the when the Rays win. It's one of the coolest <laughs> traditions in baseball. And I go, wow, you light up the top orange when the Rays win. Coolest tradition in baseball. Well, I'm like, I'll, I'll catch it on the TV. See you later. Yeah, yeah not good. Not good. Um... Yeah, I think it's she's an a nice awful, lady, though. By the way, I grew up going to Fenway Park, so I'm a little spoiled in that yeah. regard. But this stadium is brutal. And what I would say is Miami, where they play, they have a beautiful stadium. And I've been there, and it's a cool stadium, even though it's indoors. It, it has the big glass and, and left field that makes it feel like you're outside. So it's not that it's an indoor stadium. It's that it's an awful indoor stadium mm-hmm. in Tampa. And they need a new stadium. They If they want to keep the Rays, they need a new stadium. That that's it's as simple as that. Uh, but now this whole idea, and it's in in, in its infancy for sure. Well, uh, but the idea of playing in two cities and not even close. I mean, Montreal, <laughs> Tampa. How does that make any sense? Let me ask you this question though. Do you think Tampa Bay in general deserves a baseball team? Because do you think if they moved that stadium to Ebor, they brought this state of the art facility in and everything, all the bells, all the whistles. Do you think that's going to make a difference? Because I understand St. Petersburg is what from Tampa Bay? Maybe like a 45-minute drive or so? Yeah, I'm just not that familiar with the Tampa area, but yes, I think you're right. Let's call it like that. Well, and I I hate to compare baseball to football, but like, look at a lot of um, NFL stadiums, you know, like whether it's the the Buffalo Bills or like the Green Bay Packers. I mean, those stadiums, well, Green Bay is a little different, but Buffalo Bills, for instance, their stadium is like 
probably an hour outside the city limits. I mean, yeah. it's in the middle of Orchard nowhere, Park, yeah. Orchard Park, in the middle of the country. And it's a terrible stadium. It's not the best state. Okay, go ahead and um, that's Brent Martino at uh, Twitter.com, everybody. But um, people still show up to that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like their, their fan base is, is there. And we're talking about a Rays team who has gone to the playoffs, who's, you know, played in big games. Gone um, to a World Series. Gone to a World Series, and they couldn't give tickets away. Brent, they're literally giving tickets away for a World Series playoff game. Well, remember we had that on the, a couple weeks ago. They were giving $5 tickets, yeah. you know, just to try to get people in the so, stadium. They had the worst or second lowest, I think, attendance at 14 thousand a game despite being 12 games over 500 their payroll 65 million bucks they have a problem they do they have they have big issues but one of their biggest issues is the stadium now the marlins built the new stadium and it really hasn't helped their issues but tampa needs a new stadium that's a that's a vibrant city it's a whole different dynamic than miami miami is, a, is just such a unique sports city in general but tampa needs to to do this the other thing about tampa and there's a one defense and this is the same thing about a, a team like jacksonville you have to remember in terms of maturity in terms of uh traditions those kind of things, like like you're talking about the Bills, the Bill, the, they're so traditional there. It's it's blue collar, it's football, it's the Buffalo Bills. You know the Sabers are probably the same way, but that's what it is. It's but the, the Bills. Rays have had more success than the Buffalo Bills, Brent. But but the Bills had O.J. Simpson. The Bills have the Bills have decades of football, bad or good. They have traditions. They have people diving through tables at tailgates. The Rays and even the Jaguars, as they celebrate a 25th season. And the Rays, I think, just celebrated their 20th season. That's young, man. That is young. It is a very young organization. It, it's it's hardly a generation old. And so my only defense of these kind of topics is you do have to give it time. I mean, you know, it, the, the age-old story is like I think the Steelers were around for some 40 years before they won anything. You know, I mean, it, it just you have to. To sustain winning is one thing. To grow a fan base is another thing. How much time do you want to give them, Brent? How much time do you want to give them? Because they've gone to the World Series. The Carolina Panthers are a pretty popular team. They sell out their stadium. The Houston Texans, I've been there a couple times, played. It's loud as heck in there. They sell out their stadium. Can be. Okay, it can be. I don't think it's an unbelievable NFL town in Houston. And it's a huge city. Okay. Now they have four million people to pick from. They're not having attendance problems, though, like Tampa is. Not right now, no. Not like Tampa. I mean, Tampa's having a miserable... Uh, attendance problem. So my point to you is how long until we say, okay, maybe this, this whole thing's not working? Well, it might not. I, yeah. I, I just I just said as a lay, level of defense, you have to understand that these franchises are young. That's a young franchise. I mean, again, I just gave – when you talk 20 years, man, that's a generation. That's it. That's it. Uh, you know, we talk about it here. This 25th season in Jacksonville is meaningful because these last few years we've really seen it. Again, the peak of success helped, mm-hmm. but you know the Bold City Brigade, the Teal Street Hooligans, the 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 kid that was five when this organization was born. How many times we've told the story that now is what thirty years old and can afford a ticket, or maybe is raising a family, and those kids are now Jags fans too. I mean, that's what happens in sports, you know. I mean, we compare everything to the Chicago Cubs, the Red Sox, the Steelers, the. You know, the best example of it is the New England Patriots. Everybody in New England is now a Patriots fan. But I continue to tell you and everybody that will listen to me, the Patriots stunk for a long time and nobody <laughs> cared about the Patriots when I was growing up. Yeah. In fact, so much so that little Brent, as a kid, 
like the Dolphins because he couldn't watch the Patriots on TV because they were blacked out every Sunday because they didn't fill their stands. So that's what happens when, and I'm not even saying they were a young organization. They were just a bad organization at that time. And to be honest with you, if I think back, they were relatively young. They were probably 25 years old or, or you know, 30 years old at that time, uh, the Patriots were. So success certainly helps. And success grows things faster, absolutely. But time also heals a little bit of that. Uh, and I do think new stadiums and keeping up with the arms races, all those components go into play here when you're talking about uh, Tampa. Uh, we'll get to South Beach Gary in a minute. We didn't hear from him yesterday on Alma Mater Day. And uh, we also uh, will talk some high school sports. I want to get into that topic a little bit. We do have some high school news about Friday night games in Duval County, which is interesting, especially after last year when times were shifted all around. But we have a set time in Duval County for the public schools to share with you there. Uh, with 25 seasons of the Jacksonville Jaguars celebration continues during the 5 o'clock hour. A lot to get to here. Oh, it's NBA draft night. You got oh, me a yes. sleeper? Coos is like, he just can't wait. Oh, I got sleepers, baby. Get get out the NyQuil because it's going to be a long one. We got sleepers. And uh, one other thing. How's your poetry going, people? Yeah. We've got some entries, and they're not bad. There was one that I was like, wait, that doesn't even rhyme. <laughs> Guns and Roses tickets. We'll give them away, but you better get poetic. Star Star 690 is the number. So is 904-362-9901. Thanks for hanging with us on ESPN 690. Left for a day. Someone messed up the computer, Austin Lane. Will you tell him, man? I spent that whole last segment trying to log back in because I forgot my password, but we're all good now. You got it? I have mine. What yeah, is sorry, your password? I don't have yours. Wouldn't you like to know? <laughs> Figured we'd just roll right into that. Yeah. Hey, we had a heck of a time yesterday at Flagler College. That was a lot of fun. Good stuff. I uh, really enjoyed it. Thanks to uh, Dr. Joseph Joyner, the uh, former superintendent of St. John's County Schools, but now the president of Flagler College for visiting with us. <laughs> Are you going to expand on this story someday, too? I mean, I'm still shocked. I'm driving what home. What an icebreaker. I mean, I'm driving I told you home my yesterday, and, and I, I'm like... I, I sent you guys all a text eventually, and I was like, did that really happen? Yeah. Like, did he really do that? Yeah. I did. Do, do you know what the best part was, When though? you got interviewed for, like, this job, like, now I'm curious about how that went. Like, it what was the first couple minutes of your interview? Or did, was this a sight unseen job hire for you? Uh, well, it was. I was an intern and then just kind of. <laughs> 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 but here's the other thing is the word plagiarism. I kind of told Austin this off mic afterwards. Like, it's way, it sounds way worse than it actually was. Yeah. That's very true because, <laughs> not going to lie, I might have had a similar kind of experience in college. <laughs> Man, you guys are, where, where's the integrity from you two? Well, with with it, with it, it gets like labeled as that, you right, know, right. where people think, but it's, so okay. I mean, I kind of know where you're coming well, from. First, but, hang on, Brent, we'll come back to your story real quick. But I thought the funniest part of Coos and the president of the university <laughs> was the fact <laughs> that literally, like, the first three words out of Coos's mouth when he introduced himself was, yeah, I got the right class for plagiarizing. <laughs> and then there's an awkward silence because everyone thinks it's kind of a joke. And everyone's just quiet for about three like, seconds nope. of just dead air. No, it wasn't a joke. No, nope, that's serious. Yeah. Like, I did not know how to handle that, really. <laughs> you should have like, saw your face. I mean, like. <laughs> I mean, Dr. Joyner's a nice man. Like he's, yeah. but he's also this is higher education we're talking about. Like yeah. he can, even if he wanted to joke, like if we were out to dinner on Saturday night and and Coos dropped that, he might laugh about it. Of course, like he might. Yeah, he might. Yeah. I don't know if he would, but he might. Well, in that setting with a microphone, he can't. 
He can't like say, "Oh, that's funny." That's my dude. Yeah, like that just doesn't. He's not gonna fist bump you. You're trying to get a fist bump from the president. Oh man. So what did happen? I it was like my third day at school. Yeah. And we had to do. Uh, I, it was Com 101, and okay. we had to uh, we had to do a speech, and they were like assigning your topics. So my topic, which was the death penalty, I. That was just the what was given to me. And so I started it off saying, hey, my name is Justin. Here's my report on the death penalty. And then I gave the definition, which I looked up from Google. I oh. gave the definition, and I didn't cite the definition. And that's why I failed that class. See, those English teachers, man. Oh, con- I, know, I mean, right. settle down. Citations. See, that's similar situation. Here's I was going to ask you what happened. I told Austin. I, I called my yours, parents. Man. I was like, I, I think I'm not going to make it. <laughs> uh, so, this is classic. I don't want to come home. This is classic. So, I... My freshman year, right, Steph and I had just met about a month earlier, a couple weeks earlier, but we have the same English class, mm-hmm. English 101. And I think I am, I think I have it at like 8 in the morning and she has it at like 9.15 in the morning, something like that. So back to back, but not in the same class. So this class seriously was, it's English 101. I mean, it's not like you're going to become like uh, an author or, or I mean it's pretty basic stuff yeah well this class is you basically take notes like he gives you all the stuff but you have he wants you to take the notes like mm-hmm. that's your one of your grades like it's taking notes yeah and so he'll put it on the, and it's like word for word you know that stupid stuff like kids probably still have to do it but you put it on the board and you have to write it down mm-hmm. like it's he's not handing it to you but you and you go through it as a class all the answers like if you got it right or wrong but you put the right one down sure all right so it's getting close to like thanksgiving time and my grandmother is really sick she had pancreatic cancer and uh, that's the feel bad part of the story for mm-hmm. you, everybody out there. Um, and he didn't feel bad, <laughs> the professor. Yeah. So I have to go a day. I go a day early because she's she's not doing Take well. Take business, yeah. Right. Yep. So Steph takes the notes for me in class. Yeah. Again, we're all taking the same notes. There is notes. Yeah. Well, I get back, and he says we plagiarized because she took notes. Because for she you? took the notes. Dude, that's not even plagiarism. That's sharing. That's I know, not it, it was, it was, that's it being was, a good friend. It was the most insane thing in the world. We like fought it. We had to yeah. fight it because this guy was really big. Oh yeah, I, I will say this, this for a while too. I will say this: the guy in the beginning of the class, I will give him this. I'm not even going to say his name, but uh, I don't, uh, <laughs> yeah, but I do. He does say he's like I'm not. Plagiarism is, but like he actually gives you the whole plagiarism speech. Yeah, yeah. at the start of class, like in the we freshman this, year. Same thing. Yep. And so. But anyway, I'm telling you, man, we, like, I was, because I, I was pissed. Well, see, I was, like, from a principal standpoint, yeah. I was, like, I could care less about the grade or whatever, but I am, like, I, this is not, play, like, right. I didn't do anything wrong here. We yeah. didn't do anything wrong. And we got, we had some real good support, like, at the school from some of the, like, the um, uh, department heads oh, yeah. that wow, we really? knew. And I'm telling dude, we had to go through everything. Yeah. We went through all, like, whatever the court system is, or yeah. not the court system, but, you know, the appeal system at the school. It was a fascinating experience. The best thing is of, of the whole story, though. You got well, it. We, we, no, nah, we didn't really. I think he dropped us, like, two letter grades. Mm-hmm. Like, he went, we went from, like, an A to an F, and we got, like, a C. <laughs> yeah. So, like, he kind of won, yeah. but but so did we. So. And But the best thing is, like, I had met Steph for about three weeks earlier, a month earlier, whatever. <laughs> and I had not met her parents yet. Oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, like, two weeks late when this whole thing's going on, and, like, like, they oh, stop man. by the school, and yeah. the first time I ever meet Steph's parents, yeah. <laughs> it's like this cloud of, you know, and Steph's, like, 3.9 GPA girl, uh, dad superintendent yeah. back in... <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, this is a great start here. Well, see, the problem I had was the teacher, and this is what I held on to um, and tried to use to get out of it, was the teacher told us if it's common in the field of study. And I got to remember because I told this to so many teachers, department heads, whoever it was, but... He told us the class before, if it's common in the field of study or known by everybody in the field of study, you don't have to cite it. And I figured if you're in the... Google. In that field, you would know yeah. the definition. So it was um, it was a fight. I, I'm I've, still I'm still upset that you brought it up yesterday. But the, but but I'm bet I'm uh, at least a little happier about your explanation. So I, I would two, side with you. I, since it is kind of like alumni week, I have two crazy Murray State stories <laughs> involving plagiarism or cheating that I've never gotten caught for. But I assume, <laughs> but but I assume who hasn't is, done this? Well, I was gonna say, but I assume it's like the statute of limitations, right, Brent? So I should be good now. I don't know. This, you're, you're this could affect my Hall of Fame. 2010. Status. 2010. You might want to wait till next spring. That's all good. Let's do it. Uh, so <laughs> my freshman year, I was in a geography class and. And we had to we had to do North America. You know, we had to name like the states, the capitals of North America. Cake, man. I, I've been doing that since I was like ten. All good. Oh yeah, that's right. Canada is also part of North America. Didn't study the provinces or the capitals. So our teacher had to get up to go to an urgent meeting or something. They said, "I'll be back in a little bit. I have to go. Um, you know, just finish your tests." So back then we had our cell phones. We didn't have the internet on our cell phones, man. I had a BlackBerry. Absolutely. You know? yeah. yeah. So uh, what did I do? I in the middle of the class, I literally took out my BlackBerry, called up my best friend AP from back in Wisconsin. I'm like, dude. I'm going to need you to start from the left to the right and tell me the Canadian provinces and then tell me the That's capitals not cheating. left you or right. You just phoned a friend. I just phoned a friend, man. And literally, the, the whole class is like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah. And uh, I didn't get busted. No one snitched on me. Passed it. Hey, Coos, football player. Football player. F- football player and, uh, yeah, Murray State alumni. And the other one, and this is, Coos appreciate this one a little more because this is a reality, Coos. Again, my freshman year. This is this, this must is a be freshman. a freshman thing. Yeah, it's a freshman thing, man. And uh, it was during finals week during Civ class. Uh, Civ is short for civilization, so it's like a like history and things like that. And we were doing uh, the the test was on like the Roman period, and I didn't study at all. wasn't a big studier, Brent. And the night before, I went to a beer pong tournament. Ended up winning it, and I didn't get home. <laughs> That's why I appreciate this story. Oh, no, no, hang on. It's coming. So I uh, went to a beer pong tournament, uh, probably got home back to the dorms around 4 in the morning, had to be up at 8 to take the test, uh, got up at 7.45, had to run over to the, the class, made it just in time, um, didn't feel so good, may had to leave a little early to go to the bathroom to throw up in the toilet, oh. but thankfully I got a pass. I came back, took the test. Once again, didn't study at all. Coos, I... Wrote a, a complete plot line from Assassin's Creed One uh, for, <laughs> for, for my exam. I, I, I kid you not. I wrote the exact video game verbatim. Not obviously not the part where you're in the future. I'm talking about the parts where you're in the past. I wrote a verbatim plot line to Assassin's Creed, and guess what? Got like an A plus on it. So there you go. 
<laughs> well, worked for a video game. Oh, yeah. Had man, to work for yeah, you. yeah. It just says video games don't make you smart. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, well, there you go. Our alma mater week has taken a turn. They haven't taken me <laughs> off the, the list worst. yet. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Uh, once again, I, I kind of round this all up with thanks for the hospitality at Flagler yes. College. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> now, it really did have a fun time. It was yeah. a good time with Joey Wiles. If you missed any of it, uh, go back and check out the Tim Tebow story and Bob Stewart oh, story. It was really good. Um, <laughs> they, they do a, uh, a calm week there. Every March for like the communication students, and they bring back you know oh. people who've graduated. I'm pretty sure I just killed myself. <laughs> you say, back, you might want to send them this segment. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this uh, this could be uh, you know student affairs 101. There I guess. Uh, hey, South Beach Gary's on the line. He's been hanging around. How many times did you cheat in high school and college or wherever, South Beach Gary? That was so long ago. I don't even remember going, Brent. <laughs> <laughs> it, it seems like uh, a lifetime ago. Hey. Uh, the artist of the day is going to be uh, Invisible Touch by Genesis is going to be the song of the day. Hey, uh, can I try that rhyme to win tickets, guys? Can you try the line? Yeah, the rhyme. Oh, oh yeah, you, you got the roses are red? Yeah, roses are red, violets are blue, the Jags are hoping for a February uh, weekend, February, February day in Miami View. Okay, the Super Bowl is going to be in Miami. Miami, Miami Super Bowl. Okay. Very good. Okay. On Fox 30, by the way. Okay, mm-hmm. I got it. It's in hey, the, it's uh, in the hey, submissions. Hey, uh, Austin, were you talking about, did, did I misunderstand you yesterday? You were talking about you wouldn't pay anybody other than a quarterback because of uh, some, something to the effect of a dollar can see the way it didn't work. Am I, am I misquoting you? Uh, or is no, that... no, so basically what I was saying is that I wouldn't pay a player uh, groundbreaking money um, besides the quarterback. Uh, okay, so, but, yeah. but I, I'll look at this, Austin, and Brent, you can comment on this. Uh, Reggie White, when he went to Green Bay, I don't think they would have won the Super Bowl had they not acquired Reggie White in free agency. True. For the Best big free contract. agent in NFL history. Yeah. Or Lawrence Taylor in Jacksonville. And recently, the Chicago Bears, when they got Khalil Mack, turned them right into a playoff team. So I don't think it's, guys, necessarily the golden rule that to pay that big money to a defensive player, you know, I don't think there's that's a set rule in stone. All right. Uh, those those but, are some examples. Yeah, those yeah. are some examples. Well, well, so with Cleo Mack, though, I mean, it's not like the Bears paid him a new contract. I mean, they, they took on the contract that the Raiders had in place. And the, well, with, with, they with Reggie White, draft picks. there's no way they would have won the Super Bowl without Reggie White that year. No, I mean, I, I completely agree with you, man. I was I was a kid watching that. I, I completely agree with you. That, that's a great example. But I'm saying for the Cleo Mack one, I don't think that was really ground. I mean, it was groundbreaking for what they gave up to get Cleo yeah. Mack. But I think nope. from from the pay range. Well, but it kind of put the team on on the map though from the year before to a super to a playoff team at least by uh, by his play. It made the whole defense better. Is yeah. what, what I'm saying. Hey, uh, the, that do you guys think that this Tampa thing? That's ju- it's just kind of a trying to put pressure on them just to get a new stadium yes. built because I never heard anything so wacky in my life. All right, man. But thanks. To, uh, thanks for calling. In. <laughs> South Beach Gary. What was he trying to say there? Sorry, I cut him off. I don't know. I, don't know. Uh, I thought he was going to say happy birthday to me or something. But, oh, was it your uh, birthday? No, no it was not. That's why I was curious. It was your birthday. Uh, yes, I started the show with saying I think the Tampa thing is a a bit of a – and I think MLB's in on it and saying, hey, Tampa, time to step up. Sure. Get a stadium where you're going to lose the team. And, and by the way, that might be reality. It might not be just a threat. It could be reality at this time. They're they're drawing fourteen thousand despite two good years of of success on the on the field. So 
I do think that's a play. I think he meant when he said Lawrence Taylor, I think he was thinking Calais Campbell. Is that what he's talking about in Jacksonville? But that wasn't ground. See, like, see, Calais my Campbell, point is ground- Calais Campbell's was a big deal. But, but it wasn't groundbreaking, Brent. Like, yeah. when I say the words groundbreaking, no, you were talking I'm saying, CJ like, Mosley. Albert Hainsworth, oh, yes. Mario Williams, and Damakon Sue, yeah. uh, those type of contracts. You know, like to, to be fair with the Cleo Mack contract, yes, the, the Bears had to sacrifice a lot to get him, um, and the Raiders got a lot in return. But from if you look at how much he's making a year, I don't think it's really that groundbreaking. You know, like CJ Mosley is groundbreaking. Yeah, he's because making it's fifteen million more than more any than other deal out there. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. now back to you. Gary's point with Reggie White, yeah, I mean I'm not sure if Reggie White's contract off the top of my head, we'll have to look into that. But um, if that's the case, and yes, Reggie White panned out to be a pretty good player. Yeah, that would be a good example of if it was ground. And, and Reggie White was again widely considered the best free agent pickup of, of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tell you what, Calais Campbell, not too far behind. When you talk no. about uh, big money free agents and what they've done uh, with their new team, uh, certainly here in Jacksonville, I'm not talking street free agents. Uh, obviously, uh, Jimmy Smith uh, fits the free agent mode as mold as well. Um, but we're talking big money free agents. Uh, Calais Campbell has been the best in Jaguars history and really one of the most productive and best probably in NFL history uh, since uh, we started free agency and all the big dollars. Uh, all right, we're going to take a timeout. When we come back, uh, we've got more. Mike Martin, Florida State, put a bow on that. Uh, they just couldn't get the bats going. And a little bit later on, do we see a day where high school sports doesn't exist? Brought it up a bit yesterday with Joey Wiles, but I want to expand on that and, and have a little bit of a conversation about it. Uh, some Jags talk, of course, on the way. And NBA draft night. Are you fired up? And we find some sleepers. It's coming up. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Well, it was a little bit of a slow death for the Florida State baseball team. One, the game got delayed. Supposed to be yesterday afternoon, moved to the nighttime because of Tuesday's rain in Omaha. And it just really stinks when you see a team that can't hit. And you just, it's part of the game. Listen, hitting is the hardest thing to do in sports. You play a lot of different sports. You've been uh, good at a lot of different sports. Thank you. Um, Do you raise your eyebrows when I say that? Hitting is the hardest thing to do in sports. No, because honestly, um, this is coming from a guy that only played Little League in a freshman year of high school baseball. I sucked at hitting the curveball. It was the worst. And like, and I can't imagine on the on the professional level. Like, listen, I'm sure baseball players could line up for to maybe catch a ball or like you know to be a wide receiver for a little bit, catch a ball. Um, I feel like you could take any guy from any sport. You know, listen, guys can hit three pointers from the NBA line, whatever. But I feel like if you take a professional athlete. And put him on, you know, on the plate um, against a 100 mile per hour pitcher, and then throw some change ups, throw some curveballs. Yeah, hardest thing to do, hands down. Yeah, I, I think that's a good I way to put it in the you. context. You know, I think you're right. I think, listen, I could go get my, you know, just get blown up on a on a play in football. Yeah, I wouldn't like it, <laughs> yeah. but I can. Yeah. Um, and and maybe I catch a pass. I'm not saying I'd make an Odell Beckham Jr. catch, but I think it could. I can ma- I know I can make a shot in basketball. I mean heck yeah. I watch basketball sometimes. Like I think me and four buddies could score more than some of the guys out there are scoring at times in stretches. <laughs> Um, but I think uh, this week in, in Omaha sometimes does this because it's a big field. I think it just does put an exclamation point on how hard it is to hit. And uh, it can be contagious, too, because what got them here is mostly their bats. They got out of the Athens Regional and upset Georgia because of their bats. Mm-hmm. Uh, they 
I, I think it was a mix against LSU, but they had timely enough hitting, uh, even though the bats quieted a bit, and then nothing. They were lucky to win a game. I mean, they scored two runs in 27 innings. They mm-hmm. had nine hits, I think it is, in 27 innings. That's pretty hard to do. Yeah. And they were in all these games and had a chance to win. So I feel bad for that part of it because that's just the way it goes. I, I really thought if they just woke up the bats a little bit, they might stay hot for another week and win the whole thing. Sure. I mean, it could happen. Mm-hmm. That's the way baseball works. But tip of the cap to uh, Florida State for making the run. Uh, first of all, Florida State fans, nobody expected this. So I think it was cool that they got here. We got an extra couple of weeks of Mike Martin. I thought ESPN and everybody else did a great job of honoring and reflecting on Mike Martin's career. And I thought it was fun. I thought it was fun for everybody to see. Um, even if you're just a casual fan, you might have watched it where probably you wouldn't have if you just saw the end of the regular season for Florida State or if they had lost in the Athens Regional. So I like how he was celebrated, and, and I think it was uh, well-earned. I think some people, you know, probably Gator fans especially, but some people thought it was a little much, and I can see that. But Because uh, I even asked myself at the time, I was like, wow, they're going Mike Martin heavy. But he was a story. I mean, it's yeah. really one of the biggest stories in Omaha, and I think that will shift now, by the way, to Michigan. I think Michigan will now become the story for ESPN mm-hmm. uh, in Omaha because of their success as, as kind of a Cinderella uh, but there's nothing really to add about Mike Martin. I mean, what can I say that, that will justify what the guy's career has been? Everybody knows. If, if you care about it, you know about it. Yeah. It just to see, seems like an awesome guy. Every time we've interacted with him, an awesome guy. Uh, and obviously a fantastic baseball coach. Never wins the big one. And in baseball, that is, again, I've, I've told this story before. In any sport, really, I don't, I don't hold that against people. I really don't. Mm-hmm. I, I grew up a Dan Marino fan. He never won a Super Bowl ring, and I still think he's – I think you can make the argument he, from a quarterbacking standpoint, throwing the football standpoint, he's one of the best to ever do it. And and he never won a ring, never even – he came close once. That was it. Mm-hmm. And that was when he was super young. And so I don't carry the weight on rings like so many other people do. And if you know anything about baseball, if you know anything about Omaha, you know it's not a place where all the good teams always win. Sometimes you just got to get really lucky uh, to pull it off. We've seen Florida. Uh, win it, but we've seen Florida have better teams and lose it uh, mm-hmm. in Omaha. So that's kind of how I feel about the winning. I, I know it's always going to be an asterisk, but uh, well, to, to be fair though, in Mike Martin's case, there's a reason why he was there for so long, though. And I get it; yeah, he didn't win the big one, yeah, but yeah. guess what? College coaching is no different than the professional leagues, where if you're not winning, if you're not producing. You're going to get canned. And guess what? Mike Martin did it longer than anybody because he put a good product on the field year after year after year. So you, you can't knock him um, you know, too hard for not winning the championship because he was so consistent of how many wins he got every single year. Yeah, and uh, I thought he enjoyed the ride. You know, that was kind of cool. Uh, yeah. You know, it was almost like everything was gravy once he got to Omaha. Yeah, which is which is it's not like the cool thing to say. Like you're supposed to be pissed off when you lose. No, but, but I thought it was cool yeah. to see how he reacted. He understood that was a nice magical ride these couple of weeks. Sure, he was over. He's not he's not putting his head his hand in his face or yeah. his face in his hands and 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 tears coming down. I mean, this has been one heck of a ride. You could tell he enjoyed every second of it. And there's a guy too that you could tell Brent when he you know when they found they're going to Omaha and they won that game. What game was that again? Uh, LSU. Was LSU. Thank you. Yeah. So when they beat LSU, they're in the locker room. You know, they're celebrating. He's dancing and everything like that. Like, you can kind of tell, like, yes, he was still coaching in Omaha. And, you know, he was still getting the most out of his players. But I think it was also a guy who was, you know, he's on the back nine of of his coaching career now. He knew this is the last year. And I think he 
actually sat down a little bit and enjoyed it as well, which a lot of people, even in that they're in their jobs, regardless of professional sports or college sports, but even in, in your daily job, um, sometimes don't get to do. So yeah, props yeah. to him for just, you know, taking the moment and enjoying it and happy trails to him. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, I will say too, some of the pitching was outstanding, uh, both Florida State and Texas State. I mean, some of the wiffle balls they were throwing on it. If you saw the tracker, there was one time I tweeted and I tweeted a lot about FSU last night because I was really into it, but, uh, the F- the tracker on one of the strike calls, I seriously think if you go back and watch it or if you know what play- one I'm talking about, I it landed in the strike zone, like in the glove. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure it ever crossed the plate. Like, yeah. <laughs> like it was, I this mean, is, it did, but it's like it started so far outside in the other batter's box. Yeah. And it, it's, it looked like a wiffle ball. I, I, the guy had no, it was a 3-2 pitch and he took it for strike three. He had no chance. Like if he swung at it. He wouldn't have had a chance to hit it. It was an amazing pitch. I'm almost like, why didn't he throw that every time? The guy would be unhittable. And then this is getting back to your point, too, of being the hardest thing to, to hit a baseball. I can't. I can't, I guess I can't comprehend the reaction time that it takes because I remember watching a thing with Albert Pujols on ESPN. This is way back in the day when he was with the St. Louis Cardinals and he would talk about how, you know, he had like a split second to kind of watch the laces come in yes. um, across the plate and he could tell what pitch was going to be by the way the laces were moving. Yeah. Um, that's absolutely insane to me. You know, like coming from I a think smart, the clock is 0.4. Okay. I think well, you have 0.4 reaction time. But okay. So you have 0.4 reaction time. Then you have to analyze what kind of pitch it is. Yeah. Then you have to tell your hands in your whole body to move and hit the ball. It's just, it's insane to me. I remember, I mean, you know, I don't like comparing a bunch of sports, but like, uh, I went to a drag racing um, thing at the, the Gator Nationals yeah, yeah. in Gainesville. Yeah. And um, I, I was, I had a friend that knew Ron Caps. Ron Caps was, uh, I think, a top field drag, one of the best. He drafts with the, the, the um, Jets or Napa, the, the Napa Auto Parts car. And I talked to him a little bit about it. I'm like, what makes a great drag racer? I mean, obviously, you have to have a good pit crew. And he said, Austin, if, if you watch who wins that race, it's who, it's who has the best reaction time. He said reaction time is key in drag racing. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. And same thing in fighting and boxing, too, where you have to have the reaction time to see the punches coming at you. You have to diagnose. But, dude, when you're talking, like you said, Brent, 0.4 seconds to see the pitch, to know if it's going to be a hittable one, yeah. and then to diagnose if it's what kind of pitch it is. Curveball, changeup, whatever. Man. And, and I get it. I mean, eventually, I guess you get so many reps. You get trained at yeah, it. Yeah, you get trained to watch for it, but still, uh, from the outside looking in, I can't imagine. Well, there's a couple of interesting things about hitting over the years. Uh, Lou Brock uh, one time did an interview, and he was talking after about, you know, he said uh, the you could tell if it was a fastball, if you could see daylight, like any part white of the ball, and if you could see red, yeah. that was the laces. It was an off-speed pitch. It was as simple huh. as that. And so, so, yeah, simple as that. Simple as that for them. Like, yeah. that's what they picked up. I mean, yeah. and then, you know, was it a sinker? Was it a changeup? Was it a curveball? That, that was different, but you could at least tell the spin. It was only going to spin those couple of ways, either like, like a fastball would or, um, or, or if you could see the, the red on the laces. Mm-hmm. But, so it's interesting to hear those guys that have done it and done it so well talk. But hey, that's why guys hit 320 and are considered great. Sure. I mean, it's so hard to do it. Uh, I, I think it's it's amazing what they do. The other part of it, I've read read books before that say there isn't a major league baseball hitter that doesn't have like 2015 vision or better. A lot of them have 2012, 2010. Yeah, uh, they have unbelievable. And a lot of people, even if they're 2020 or 2018 or 2015, whatever the numbers are, yeah. I don't know what they are, but. 
they'll actually get still get corrective surgery to make it from 2015 to 2013. Because yeah, you get, it makes so, a big difference. So it's 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 like it's like uh, you can't be an offensive lineman if you don't weigh 300 pounds in the NFL. Well, of you course. probably can't be a professional hitter if you don't have good eyesight. Fair enough. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah, uh, it, it's like a fighter pilot, right? Of I mean, course. you can't. That's why Ted Williams, Ted Williams, best hitter of all time, mm-hmm. great eyesight. Yep. Can be a fighter pilot, mm-hmm. great eyesight. Right? Fair <laughs> so, enough. No, you're absolutely right. I man. mean, it goes hand in hand. Yeah. But I, I always say, can they do a test on me when I'm like five to determine this? So I don't waste the next 14 years of my well, life trying to figure out if I can be that guy. I'll tell you what. I, I guess I was playing the wrong sport because for NFL physicals, we had to do every single year. Um, the best ever. I, I had 2013 sight. You did? Yeah. So that's, that's some pretty good eyesight. That's very good eyesight. Uh, I, I always thought they said like over 2020, it's whatever. But yeah, they said 2013. So Well, I think it just depends it what just, you're doing. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine eyesight for what you did. Yeah. Football-wise. Now, yeah. maybe more so with the MMA. Yeah. Maybe it does help. MMA you. does help a little bit, maybe. But, but yeah, that reaction time is more important. Crazy, regardless of the uh, eyesight. Uh, before we head to break, let's do. Uh, let's send you to break with Mike Martin in the locker room addressing his team. He did it for about three minutes, so this is just a thirty-second clip. Mike Martin's final address. This would be my balling for the day. How can it be, Mike Martin? Balling for sure for forty years at Florida State. Now the big question: Who's next? Is it his son, Mike Martin Jr., Jeff Johnson from Chipola? We'll see what happens with the whole coaching circle uh, now in Tallahassee. But here's Mike Martin. In Omaha, one final address to his team uh, last night after they lost. Guys displaying great leadership. And now there's a lot of guys that are coming back next year that can show great leadership. I love you. I care about you. I knew you could do it. And you did it. You got all the way to Omaha. And with just a couple of breaks, you never know what could have happened. But I will do something for the last time that I know that all of you understand. Thank you. All right, so here's the deal. Guns N' Roses tickets today we're giving away. And you got to come up with the best poetry. Guns N' Roses and the Jaguars. So it's roses are red, violets are blue, and then a couple lines on the Jaguars. That's it. Yep. We already had uh, South Beach Gary jump in on one. Yes, we Here's did. Here's Kyle Cartledge. Calais seeing red, so QB's black and blue. Foles got paid that bread, so he going to raise that trophy in the 9042. Not mad at that. A lot of, a lot of syllables that last sentence. A lot of syllables, but I'm not mad at that Plus one at all. he changed the whole that roses was the whole are thing. red. I mean, he Brent, got creative. I'll tell you what, man. I'm looking for creativity. That's what I'm looking for the most is creativity. Um Let's go and put that one to the top of the list so far. How about Zach Fortner? Roses are red, violets are blue. Leo needs to run more like Fred and score like Jones Drew. I like that as well. Yeah. Come on, bring it. What you got? What Uh, you got, Jacksonville? Eric Squire says, uh, hey, what other number can I use? My cell phone won't let me use star star 690. What's up? What kind of provide? Is that that the suit? Don't call anybody out. They might be a sponsor. Yeah. Uh, But anyway, (laughs) if it's not star star 690... Then you can uh, call 904-362-9901, 904-362-9901, and share your uh, roses are red, violets are blue poetry with us when it comes to the Jacksonville Jaguars, and we'll pick the best one. Uh, are we giving away tickets? If we have really good ones, maybe we just give away both sets of t- if we have another one tomorrow. Maybe we do this uh, over the next couple of days because I kind of like it. Yeah, it's fun. I'm all about it. I actually had, I was over at Jack's today. So I was at Jack's today, and, uh, I saw somebody in the parking lot, and he's like, hey, Brett, I'm going to call in with my roses are red today. So (laughs) hopefully he calls in. Star Star 690 904-362-9901. All I'm saying is the word forget can work with the last name Fournette. 
No, that's my that's little your hint. hint I'm throwing out there. You probably plagiarized it. Did <laughs> <laughs> uh, someone else's work for sure? <laughs> that's gonna be my go-to now on Coos. Every time he comes up with something halfway decent, plagiarized. He plagiarized it. Not original. Bowen and Fallen. Yes. What you got? Let's do it for the top of the hour. Bowen, Brent, what is the best fast food chicken place in the world? Coos, do we have any chicken place sponsors on the show? Not that Not I know yet. Of. I mean, I like, listen, Zaxby's is good, but I think you're going with Chick-fil-A. That's correct. Popeye's chicken, everybody. <laughs> Give me a four-piece with the I slaw. Popeye's, I like Popeye's, too. Well, apparently you don't. I like the dirty rice. <laughs> apparently you don't. Uh, give me a four-piece with the slaw and some Cajun fries, please. How many biscuits do you have hot and ready? Go ahead and double that number, and I'll take those. Uh, Popeye's is upping their game in New Orleans in honor for the NBA draft tonight. Uh, and listen, this is not an exaggeration, Brent, but they're offering the wingspan box. Are you ready? Get your taste buds ready. I bet I An 82-inch box that features 77 boneless wings, 11 biscuits, and 11 servings of fries in honor of Zion Williamson being the number one pick. Mouth is on tap watering right so now. So did it say how much that is? Uh, it's like 74 bucks. So, yeah, for 77 wings? Yeah. That's actually Whoa. pretty good. And you get 11 biscuits and 11 no, servings of fries. That's not bad, yeah. man. It's almost like they're losing money on Is that on just in New Orleans? I think it's just in New Orleans, yeah. I got a Popeye's not too far from my house. I know it's not in Jacksonville. I'm surprised. I thought thought Zion was going to be your fallen. Why? What happened? He said he's not going to do the dunk contest already. Oh, well, yeah, welcome to 2019, of Um, course. Hey, Coos, how do you know what our fallen is? Because we haven't done it yet. I know, but if Zion's balling, I would assume well, it can't be falling. Popeye's chicken was balling, to be fair. Uh, in honor but of it was Zion themed, so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting, Brent. <laughs> I don't know. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I won. That was my now balling. Now falling. Oh, do you want me to do my falling, too? I do. Okay, cool. Because uh, I can't wait. It's not Zion. No, it's not Zion at all, but it's actually it's an NBA player, Mike Conley. So Mike Conley is doing what a lot of NBA players do. He's playing for a new team now. Yes. Uh, he's also doing a thing that a lot of NBA also do. NBA players also do. He's tweeting to fans of the new team, letting them know that he's excited to play for their franchise. But there's something wrong with his tweet. See if you can figure this out, Brenton. Kuz, feel free to play along as long as you don't know the story here. I know the story. Okay, then don't play along. Brent, you, 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 I don't okay. know the story. All right, here's Mike Conley's tweet. What more can I say about my city? You guys made me the man I am today. Memphis is home, always. Um, hashtag praise, hashtag, or I'm sorry, uh, Praise emoji, praise emoji. Time for another chapter. Excited to give all that I have to the jazz in the city of Utah. Hashtag let's get it. God's plan. Take note. What was wrong with that? Do I don't want to say it one more time? I'll do say it again. Yep. What more can I say about my city? You guys made me the man I am today. Memphis is home. Always. Time for another chapter. Excited to give all I have to the jazz in the city of Utah. Brent? Made me the man Jeopardy I am music. today. Uh, no. What do you got? Are, are you saying he's not a man? <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> are you saying, claiming maybe Columbus, Ohio made him nope. a man? All right. Uh, uh, I'm going to say the last sentence again. Excited to give all that I have to the Jazz in the city of Utah. Oh, the city. There we go. Yes, Utah is not a city, uh, uh, Mike call. Conley. Uh, unfortunately, so uh, maybe <laughs> m- maybe you should have called this friend uh, in geography ah. class as well to help him cheat. But yeah, well, you fail. Uh, hey, by the way, I. I think what trumps everybody on the fall one is the Rays right now. That yeah. story. Yeah. Uh, what a, I mean, if you're a player, you have to be feeling embarrassed. But I do want to ask you, actually, what I was going to do is is question my fallen. And I want to ask this when we come back. We're also going to get into high school sports. Is high school sports someday going to be extinct? 
But is Grayson Allen fallen because he was part of this trade? Is my question. We didn't talk about it yesterday. But let's talk a little bit about that in high school sports. It's a big day around here in high school sports. But will it be 20 years from now? We'll talk about it on ESPN 690. Hey, some thoughts on the uh, hot topic in the last couple of hours, uh, really, in sports. Not the NBA draft, more the Rays story of splitting time with Montreal and Tampa when it comes to the organization. It's just uh, an idea in its infancy, but certainly it's been pushed out there now But now by Jeff Passan and... Uh, the league is aware of it, and could we see it happen down the road? So it's sparking a lot of comments. Uh, Benjamin, since I was born, says, Rays are going to Montreal. Build the base there, then leave once your deal with Tropicana Field expires. The Tampa Bay area has never supported the Rays. They never will. By the way, the lease runs out on Tropicana Field 2027. That's part of the problem uh, because they have such a long lease uh, with that stadium that absolutely stinks. Uh, Tom Mills says, I think it's a very interesting idea. Instead of a small market team, you now have two markets supporting them. What you do, uh, I just don't know how the linkage works. Uh, it, with no, you know, if you really wanted to argue, and again, I think it's relatable in conversation to what has been, you know, talked about and rumored about, and also with Jacksonville and London. You know, the one thing is, it, say someday, all right? say 10 years from now, the Jags played four games in Jacksonville and four games in London. Well, by that time, the difference here, at least for me, and, and maybe this is a long-term vision that could create the same idea, the Jags are building a fan base in London. They have been for a number of years now. I think this will be year seven over there. And so, if, say it's 10 years down, now you have 15 years of the Jags' presence in London. Well, now splitting it up half and half, maybe it Maybe there is some symmetry there. You know, maybe it makes some sense. This this sister city uh, concept, even though it's on two different continents, <laughs> and in uh, London and in Jacksonville. So then it wouldn't be that far fetched from a Tampa and a Montreal. Now Montreal has baseball fans because yeah, of the old Expos. So and Tampa, we can question whether they do have any baseball fans. Yeah. Uh, my kid is a Tampa Bay Rays fan. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, Ty loves him. So. Uh, we don't obviously go to games because we're, we're not close enough. I I just don't like the idea. Now, I think uh, Jack Stan brought up a good idea earlier or a good comment, good thought. Is Major League Baseball don't want to see a team of 12 games over 500 with 6,000 people in the stadium. I mean, that's yeah. – I mean, what are you supposed to do? I mean, if you're not going to a game when your team's pretty good – and by the way, they won 90 games last year. And they also, by the way, they draw some pre- – if their average is 14,000, they do play the Yankees and the Red Sox, which inflates those numbers. It should be more than an average of 14,000. Yeah. I mean, the Red Sox alone will bring 20,000 of their own fans to a game against Tampa. Yeah. And, and now you're talking about two of the better teams in the league if they're playing each other, or the Yankees. Or, and Yankees have a fan base in Tampa because that's where well, spring training yeah, is. Yeah, well, that, and just think about how people move from New York or, or Boston to yeah. Florida when they retire. So. so, I mean, the just the fact that 14,000 is, is, is your number as of now in terms of uh, average fan per game is is really ridiculous. I mean, it's it's not a good thing uh, at all. Chip says Nashville's been pushing for a major league baseball team. What I tweeted out is I said, let's go, Jacksonville. Let's bid on this thing. Bring them here half the year. <laughs> you know? yeah. I mean, listen, a major league baseball team doesn't fit in Jacksonville. It doesn't. There's too many games. There's not enough corporate money. Mm. But instead of 81 games, now maybe you only need 40. What about Orlando. Well, that's what we kind of were talking, right? I mean, mm-hmm. why don't you just split? If you want to do that, make them the Florida whatever. 
and yeah. you play Jacksonville, Orlando, and and Tampa. It's silly. It sounds dumb. It's it's crazy. It's so out We're of the box. Conversation. Yeah. But listen, Florida in general has problems with getting people in the seats, but it's not just a Florida problem either. There's a lot. I, I think I saw a game in St. Louis yesterday, and I, was, I, I noticed the stands. I was like, where is everybody? Mm-hmm. But it might have rained or something. I didn't know. I, I just was like, wait, St. Louis is always sold out, isn't it? Or it always has a big Bush. Uh, is it Bush Stadium still? Uh, is it still called Bush Stadium? I don't Probably know. is. Who cares, right? St. Louis Cardinals. It's the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, I asked the question basketball wise, when we're going to get into high school real quick. But uh, uh, part of is Grayson Allen fallen? Uh, has he already fell? <laughs> didn't play a lot for Utah. He got drafted by Utah last year. Now he gets traded in this deal to Memphis. Is this a good thing or a bad thing? For Grayson Allen. See, I kind of feel like once you start being, you're part of these trades for a big guy and you're another name and what I would at least classify at least now uh, in Grayson Allen's career as a throw-in guy, Mm. um, it kind of hints at journeyman for a long time where you're just going to, you know, ride the Uber yeah, for for a long time here, you know? Yeah, I mean, at the same time, though, with Mike Conley getting traded, that was bound to happen because... With Murray State's John Morant going number two now, more True. than likely to Memphis. I mean, they had to get rid of Conley. So I think in the term of the Memphis Grizzlies, they had to ask for as much as possible, and then hence, you know, Grayson Allen. Um, I don't think it's really a knock of, of, of his ability. I just think it's the fact that, you know, you're not one of the biggest stars with all due respect in the, on the Utah Jazz right now, so you're kind of expendable. Um, but yeah, who knows? Maybe a fresh start in Memphis. You know, I think he's a pretty decent shooter. Um, as long as you stay out of my boy John Morant's way, Grayson, we're going to be all good, but we're going to be hunky-dory. But, yeah, sometimes a player just needs a new start, you know, especially in the NBA it seems like sometimes, too, where guys don't get – utilized a lot um if they're coming off the bench they go another team and all of a sudden they're their star players so we'll see i feel like i don't know i feel Hello, like marcel robinson oh hey what up man what's up yeah nice to be dry for a change mm-hmm. um i don't know i feel like um i agree with your point brent but i feel like everyone gets one like i think you get one change of scenery before you start falling into that kind of journeyman category like i think i don't know what was up with his progression or whatnot when he was playing with the Jazz, but because coming in, it was a, I mean, it seemed like it was a great fit for him with him and Mitchell running the floor and obviously you have Rubio there too. Um, but I think just because he was kind of in and out of the G League, he had the one, I believe the season finale, I think against, uh, the Clippers, he had like a 40 point game. Uh, but he, he had some stretches where he had, you know, a 20 point game here, 18 point game here. But for whatever reason, there was just no consistency. He couldn't really see the floor. I think he played in two of the playoff games versus Houston. Um, but I think, a change of senior for him, just to kind of now that he's seen what the NBA is and he's kind of had time to mentally get into it, a change of scenery and a new place to kind of start fresh and take what he's learned from the, you know, the jazz situation into Memphis will help him out. But I think if, if this happens again where he gets moved around, then I think he does become that guy who just kind of like your, oh, take this guy too to yeah, sweeten the He's on the journey train. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, listen, it's it's early in Grayson Allen's career, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, it's it's way early. Right. I mean, who knows where it goes? Yeah. And guys take a while to develop, acclimate, all those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't really know where he fits. You're right. At the end of the year when they, they started putting him in a little bit more and he showed a little bit of promise. Mm-hmm. But um, I hope he has a good career. Right right now it doesn't feel like he's going to be a bona fide superstar right. in the NBA. But there are late bloomers. In the NBA mm-hmm. that happens too. I mean, guys come out of nowhere mm-hmm. and, ha- and really have long, good careers. Driving Dish Podcast guy, what do you think? Grayson Allen, is he going to be around? the nba for a long time i do because he's a shooter and i mean like you you talk about the players that are most needed on some of these you know teams that we're talking about specifically the lakers right now what do you need to surround lebron with you need shooters that's what grayson is and and 
I think it's a good move because with the Jazz, because of how successful Mitchell was so quickly, you don't normally have that with a rookie and then a, a second-year player or third-year player. So it kind of pushed the Utah Jazz to be expecting more from the players than probably you would from a rookie. So that kind of took away from maybe those experience minutes that he needed to be getting in the beginning of the season. We never really saw a bunch. And then at the end of the season, like you guys alluded to, when he was finally getting you know 10 minutes, uh, 20 minutes a game, here we're starting to see 13, 14, 15-point games, and then we did have that 40-point game. So I think going to the Grizzlies with a young core of you know uh, the guys that are there now and then John Morant when they pull him in, I think that really is going to be a good chance for him to be that that shooter for that team, the uh, the guy that's you know in the corner three, um, and that you know the guy that can run up the score. Yeah, we'll see if uh, he's able to do it. Uh, Grayson Allen played high school ball at Providence, uh, not a public school, um, but I raised the question yesterday, coming off some news out of the uh, Ocean State, the great state of Rhode Island. Yeah, two nothing USA over Sweden. Now you better believe uh, it. <laughs> hopefully that's not a spoiler alert because I didn't give you much of a, a fair war- warning. Yeah, but. Uh, but anyway, out of Rhode Island, they are canceling sports in one of the schools. And by the way, this is Warwick, Rhode Island. This is where the airport is. Mm-hmm. So it's like a decent-sized city in Rhode Island. I mean, it's not like just this podunk town uh, in you know that has a couple hundred kids. I mean, War- it's a big school system uh, for Rhode Island standards. <laughs> but uh, it got me thinking because I've actually always – when we started this show, I wrote some bigger issues, th- ideas down, and I had this on my idea list. And so this just kind of provoked it. And then yesterday we asked Joey Wiles about it. He doesn't really think it will happen. But I genuinely do wonder, you know, about high school sports. And if I'm not talking tomorrow, I'm not talking five years. I'm saying the landscape of sports as it continues to change, travel ball, showcase, all this other kind of stuff. 20 years down the road, do we have high school sports? I think there's a part of me that thinks football's immune to this because of Friday nights. Um, also because Outside of seven-on-sevens, I think it's a – you don't really go elsewhere. You go to camps, but you don't really see a full team play other than a Friday night at the high school level, whereas baseball, soccer, basketball, any other sport, you can go play a travel or different kind of team, and now that's where you're being scouted. That's where you're being looked at. Mm-hmm. That's where you're spending a lot of your time. This idea came into my head years ago when I was in Albany, and – kind of travel ball was somewhat in its infancy but not not brand brand new but there was a a fantastic soccer player on that team that went to a travel tournament instead of her state championship game i was like wow i mean now we see what's important i mean that that would never have had a little aggressive yeah i mean it probably still that's to each their own um you know listen this this young lady ended up playing soccer at north carolina maybe that was the day she got the scholarship i have no idea Mm -hmm. but that's the landscape word. And so I think it begs the question and add to that all the dollars. Even when I was growing up and I wasn't paid to play when I was in high school from 92 to 95, but the neighboring towns, some of them were paid to play. Now, uh, every just about everybody feels like they're paid to play. Uh, the busing system is is a problem, you know, between the schools and athletics, the expense of it. There are a lot of factors that go into it. So I don't think it's as far-fetched to ask the question, will we always have high school sports? I don't think I'm going to see it in my lifetime, um, simply for the fact that extracurricular activities will always be big in high schools, whether that's sports, whether that's um, quiz bowl, uh, math Olympics, drama club, whatever. I mean, name your extracurricular activity. And I think that uh, 
they're they're too crucial to to schools and high schools. Now, don't get me wrong, Brent. I mean, what what you you what you're saying is true, though. I mean, especially and we think of these big schools where they're, they're too big to fail. But let's go ahead and think about the Iola Wisconsin real quick. Let's think about the small schools who attendance for sports is down. You know. Um, Participation is down in, in, in baseball and football. They can barely field the team anymore, it seems like, for some small schools. So I get with what you're saying there. And maybe eventually what you're going to have to do is maybe go s- seven on seven for these smaller schools in football. But I think um, cutting athletics like completely, uh, I just don't see it happening because, like we talked about yesterday a little bit, the, the life lessons that you go uh, that you learn, I mean, just the, 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 the ability to shape a y- – a young person's mind and get them ready for the real world. I mean, sports uh, are a direct correlation to that. So I, I just I don't see it happening. Yeah, I think that I kind of see it would depend on the sport for me. Like soccer is one of those sports where I could kind of see that potentially happen because there's so many like club soccer teams and like basically every high school kid that's uh, playing soccer is on some club team and they're always traveling and all that. Uh, but as far as like the the like the idea of high school athletics being kind of diminished. I feel like it one. I feel like it would always be offered, just because of the fact that you know even these kids that play on the club teams, there's only so many spots. So like if you can't make the club team, you know it's like you know what do I do? And if you can't afford it, right? And if you Mm -hmm. can't afford it, and also I think from a school aspect, like I know so much of like the money that stays within the school comes from like these athletic events. Like I know when I was in high school, all the fundraisers and concessions and and like um like all these you know like like car washes and stuff like that is is it brings in not much like you know not the thousands a hundred dollars and stuff but it brings in a, a significant amount where the, it can you know help the school out for you know the little things that you may you know have to you know write off for the district to give you that might take you know months on end yeah I, I, listen i think all you guys are right on all those fronts i just if i guess the one big thing here uh one if let well, there's two big things for me. If legislation dictates that we're not doing sports anymore, well, well, yeah, that's going to drive it out. Sport. Yeah, yeah right. And, and I'm, I think you'll always have, you'll have some districts that say that, you'll have some that won't, some states, some won't. So that won't be a blanket thing. But sooner or later, trends happen, right. and the trendy thing becomes the thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it might start now, and 25 years or 30 years later, we look up and bam, there it is. The other part is. If we have more of the examples I just gave and people are just going to travel stuff, showcase stuff, um, anything outside the school. Again, it's every sport, man. You just listed soccer. I can list baseball. I can list softball. I can list volleyball. I can list cheerleading. My sister owns three cheerleading gyms. You don't need to cheerlead at school. Yeah. You go get a cheerleading scholarship by going to these lacrosse cheerleading too. gyms. But- no, lacrosse, every sport but football. There isn't another sport that you can't do it at. That's my point. Like... You can participate outside of high school, outside of school, in every sport that you want to, other than football. But, and maybe this is me being from Wisconsin. At but the like, high school level. What percentage of student athletes in high school participate in these travel leagues? Because in Wisconsin, like, we don't really have, like, we have AAU basketball. And, you know, that goes up for the summer. Or, yeah, it goes up for, actually, it's the spring. Um, so you can't play baseball. You do AAU basketball then. But besides that, as far as like the traveling thing, like there's summer leagues, but those are for like your high school team. You know, there's not like independent teams that you can just join wherever. I mean, if you want to play summer league baseball, you play for your high school team or you play for middle school team. Do you? Yeah, we. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we. They, they, they call it Legion. So like, for instance, they still have Legion in Wisconsin. You oh, sure they're yeah. not doing travel ball in Wisconsin? The, no, I mean, Iowa still has a summer ball team. 
That's interesting. Yeah, but, uh, but but I don't know like how every state works. Is my point. Like I think Wisconsin, it's where the high school they still have to stick with your own high school. But um, and that's my question to you is like how many like what percentage would you say of the kids around the country are participating in these travel ball things? Yeah, it's a good call. Again, the expense is a big part of it. Yes, but but keep in mind what I brought up. You're paying to play high school sports now. Right. So there's an expense wrapped in that. Mm-hmm. There is. I mean, mm-hmm. that's just there. I mean, that's most people are paying to play high school sports. Let me ask you this. this is a great example of it, I think. Uh, and, and I really don't know the, the full details of it, but hockey. Yeah. See, hockey's an expense to run out of the school at the school level. Now, we don't deal with it down here in Florida, mm-hmm. but up north, it's an expense. Rink time is expensive, right? Mm-hmm. So what happens a lot of times is that hockey team will go away. I actually think my high school, I think it went away, came back. If I'm not mistaken, it might have. I'm, I don't know if I have the full truth on that. Or it's a very private school sport. You know? Gotcha. Yeah. So, and I don't know if that's the case. Wisconsin is obviously no, a lot of people play hockey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's public. But um, at the same time, like for my instance, where I lived in Iola, the near the hockey team that I played for growing up was Wapaka. Wapaka was eight miles away from Iola. I'd actually have to move to Wapaka in order to play in high school, and I couldn't move. So I was kind of screwed. You know, and there, there are club teams as well. We can play the club team in high school, but I didn't want to do that. Uh, so as far as like hockey's concerned, there was a time when it was so expensive where they didn't have the ice year round. So basically it was hockey season. They get the ice out and you're ready to go. Uh, but in the summertime you couldn't practice or anything, but now the ice is there the whole time. So I think it's still kind of like a public school thing in Wisconsin for hockey. Okay. And and by the way, here's the big, at the end of the day for me, I'm not, I'm not asking for high school sports to go away. (laughs) I'm I'm just genuinely curious. I really am about where the landscape is. And I almost view as like this does high school become like the rec ball what it is now just to mm-hmm. go participate and you don't want to you don't have to go travel all around and do this stuff but you just at least there's you can go play right. like in, in my view it's like the college version of club versus playing like at the scholarship level of a sport which there is a different or intramural mm-hmm. so like high school becomes almost the intramural which is okay i'm just saying it's just not it's a little different it feels different and you still will pay to play that is my assumption uh but the the one, number one reason why that should never go away, above every, you, I think you can get a lot of the things we've discussed at various levels and different things, but you cannot duplicate the sense of community yes. at a high school. No. You can't. I'm you parallel. can feel it. Listen, yeah. we're kind of in the middle of it a little bit. We're kind of on the outskirts still before the high school, but I've gone to more high school games, and I kind of feel it now. And even on the baseball front, let's, travel baseball is great in so many ways. You play great competition. You mm-hmm. play good games. You're seeing some really cool stuff, really good players, and it's it's competitive as heck. It's It, it can be intense. It really can. Uh, good games. But when you see like a, uh, or I'll see like a Bartram Trail Creekside baseball game, man, you can feel it. Mm-hmm. Like you sure. can feel it when you walk in. You can feel the rivalry. And I can give you 50 examples of that. But, mm-hmm. but you can feel it. And, and that's important because you want to be able to play against your buddies from the rival school or, uh, you know, always just feel like wearing those colors is a prideful thing. And, and I mean, that's the sense you get in college, right? I mean, yeah. Florida versus Florida State, mm-hmm. you not everybody gets that chance. Well, so you uh, always yeah. have to, ha- and you don't get that chance in middle school that much. You don't get that chance at the elementary level. High school, those four years, two years, whatever you're playing, uh, a varsity, and, and even JV has a feel of it, I think, in some sports. Mm-hmm. But 
you want to feel that. You need that's part of growing up, man. I mean, that's part of the stories you tell the good old glory days at the bar when you're 60. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it's funny because you mentioned football all the time, and listen, it's it's different in every single state, but there are those rivalries, man. Like if you go, like yeah, football is big in Wisconsin, but also basketball like in the inner cities in inner cities of Milwaukee. I mean, you go to like to Milwaukee uh, King Milwaukee Lutheran game, man. Like I mean, that's that's must see TV, you know. So yeah, you're always gonna have those kind of games, and I think um, if you take that away, you take away the tradition you take away the history and um i, I just can't see that happening yeah hopefully it doesn't uh, yeah. hopefully it doesn't uh, ever happen uh Kuz, you want to take a break yeah you know if you want all right let's do it <laughs> let's take a break when we come back uh a note about high school football this year in duval county mm-hmm. and marcel robinson was at a high school event football event today uh had some reaction from a former jags player uh, from there as well. So some catching up to do on the high school level and with the Jags down at Jags headquarters earlier today. More with Marcel Robinson. More with you. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Remember, roses are red, violets are blue. Finish it off with a little Jags poetry and you might win Guns N' Roses tickets. Send them in, star star 690 on the social media channels or 904-362-9901. Well, if you didn't see on social media, I tweeted this out uh, a little bit before the show. Varsity football games will kick off at 6 o'clock on the night they are scheduled in Duval County this year. Uh, there have been several discussions about it in the last week or so. Uh, remember last year after the shooting at Rains, games started to get moved around, some to Saturday morning, which was not a great idea. Because, listen, it's Friday Night Lights. You want to preserve Friday Night Lights. I mean, it's part of the conversation we're talking about. Though I will say this, when I grew up, there were a lot of Saturday morning games. You know, we did two things growing up. High school football, we played on Thanksgiving Day, and that's still a thing. Mm-hmm. You played your rival. Did you guys do that in Wisconsin? Say it again. Play on Thanksgiving Day? Ah, no, we didn't go that long, you I didn't? don't think. Yeah, Thanksgiving Day was like the last game. It's usually a rivalry game. Uh, and keep in mind, yeah, up north, they start school later, too. Yeah. Uh, you know, Usually around Labor Day is when they start school. So football season will even get pushed back. It doesn't mm-hmm. start as early as it does down here. But uh, And I know in Jacksonville, they used to have Thanksgiving Day games. I think they used to do it oh, at the Gator Bowl. A long time ago. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that, and then we had Saturday. There were a lot of schools that played on Saturday, like a 10 a.m. or a noon kick. Like, mm-hmm. I remember going to high school games when I was a kid. Uh, that That's when they were. So, But keep in mind, this this is New England. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't, New England doesn't care about college football. I mean, they, New England, at the time when I was growing up, cared about the Red Sox and the Celtics and the Bruins, didn't even care about the Patriots. Is, so, is the big college team in New England Boston College? Or who do they cheer for? Yeah, I mean, it's Notre Dame. Even, really? Because there's a lot of Catholics. Mm. No kidding. Uh, I mean, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. again, college football is non-existent, <laughs> okay. really, yeah. for the most part, up in New England. It's just a different world. Yeah. And so, you know, Friday Night Lights is Texas, right? Friday Night Lights is Ohio, Pennsylvania. It's Louisiana. To me, it's Georgia and Florida. It's mm-hmm. uh, I don't even I, I think it is in California. I mean, football's big in California. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, we've when we've been out with the Jags before, we've gone to like Maurice Jones Drews old high school De La Salle, and they were on a Friday night. But uh, I, I just think you know, I, is it definitely fr- do people talk Friday Night Lights in Wisconsin? Uh, for the most part, yeah. I mean, like, yeah. like in my town, like yeah, football was everything. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I just like to put it in some perspective. It's not just because it is down here. If you grew up down here, it's not always Friday Night Lights. I mean, it, it's different. It, it yeah. can be different. It, there's different uh, ways people view things. So anyway, the Saturday morning idea was not a good one. No. When when thing when they wanted to shuffle, what they tried to do 
And again, that whole range, the, the shooting at range last year had nothing to do with the football team. Mm-mm. And when some of these things happen, it really has not, any, nothing to do with the football teams. Mm-hmm. It's the outside, some folks that want to create a scene and, and choose to do it on that platform and that night. Well, the idea was if you're going to have big crowds, if it's going to be a big game, once that happened, they said, we either have to start the game earlier, move it to the afternoon, move it to Saturday morning. So they had a, a jumbled schedule for the rest of that year. And there was no right or wrong answer. Nobody really knew what to do exactly after that situation. You got to keep everybody safe, first of all. Uh, you know, Friday Night Lights is Friday Night Lights, but everybody has to be safe. Yep. So uh, now they've decided, and they just met on this uh, over the last week, 6 o'clock games in Duval County the night they're scheduled. And you know what? I don't mind that. I, I like it better than Saturday mornings. Oh, yeah. I understand starting an hour, hour and a half earlier than your normal game times would be has a little has the game um, at least earlier in the year when the sun's still up, but the lights will come on, mm-hmm. right? So you you're not eliminating that Friday night feel. Some of the responses we're getting, they don't love it because can't get out of work in time. It's a fair point. I, I get it. I mean, that's. Yeah. I think there was an idea, by the way, to push this to five o'clock. And some of that was the busing is difficult to get there that early. And also they did have the parents in mind getting out of work to be there at 5 o'clock is not a simple thing. Probably like leave school early, too, to play the game, right? Like if if you're traveling a certain distance. Yeah, and that creates the busing issue. Okay, that's a busing issue. Didn't we we have that for the the Mandarin Sandal game? Was that a 4 or 5 o'clock I think it was a 4. There was a 4 o'clock game. Because I know a lot of parents, that was one thing I heard about when we were out there. They were saying a lot of parents wanted to come like uh, Jeff Stim's family. They were there, but but his dad was saying it was a real hassle to get off work just to be there for the game. Yeah, and I yeah, yeah and I don't think that's I, I I can't I can't speak for other people. Like yeah. I, I think uh listen, in our job, if the game starts at six, I can't be there at six. Right. Right. So I feel Plus, like, yeah. yeah, I mean there was one school we played in our conference, Port Edwards, they couldn't afford lights. So we had to play during the day. So we'd play Friday like around I think four or five and it was just it's a weird vibe, weird feeling because no one could show up because everyone's at work. Yeah, it just doesn't feel the same, right? No, and it's no, like not at all. you want to preserve the Friday night feel, especially in the South, man. Especially here where the football's so good, the talent's so good. Mm-hmm. And so I think I think this is a nice happy medium. This is hey, safety uh is 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 priority. But we also want to preserve the experience for the kids of playing on Friday night. And I think this accomplishes that. And we'll see how it goes. And I don't know if it will forever be at 6 o'clock. Mm-hmm. But for now, we've had enough instances around high school football games um, in Duval County that I think it prompted some change and, and maybe some necessary change for, to take the precautionary measures. So I'm not mad at it. Let's just say that. I actually, from a TV perspective, and I'll speak selfishly, it, it's say, better. You're it, missing it, the, number, the it, number one benefit. Yeah, well, the number one benefit, not only for us, but I think kids like watching our shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, of not, course. And, and I'll speak for I'm all, the, I'll speak I mean, for all the TV stations uh, <laughs> and this one. I, I don't usually acknowledge the other TV stations, sure. but everybody does high school shows. And so the fact that they can be on TV, it will give the TVs, at the very least, mm-hmm. a chance to get to more games, which means ki- more kids will get on TV. Get exposed, yeah. And that's cool. Kids love that. For kids sure. love that. The grandparents love that. The parents well, love that especially part of friday night especially nowadays too like where you have social media you can show them on facebook and the kids can show like their grandparents that i mean for us like listen you, you played your game you get home real quick and watch channel nine because they're gonna have the highlights on there and if you missed it you're screwed you know yeah. it is what it is so yeah it, it does mean a lot to the high school and, kids and listen the kids around here all they say is we watch cbs 47 fox 30 the friday night blitz boom so they're That's just all like matters, you right? it was yeah. channel nine up there here at yeah. cbs 47 fox 30 there you and go the friday night blitz uh and, and maybe on espn 692 who knows yeah. so uh um, 
I, I don't mind the idea of it. We'll see what the, it will be interesting how it impacts our schedule and how many more games we can get on TV. Uh, it will depend each week, I think, because how many games are hosted in Duval County. And with the way we build our schedules in TV land, usually, and Stuart does a great job of this, but it's it's proximity more than anything else. It's how many games can you get to, mm-hmm. you know? How many guys do we have uh, to shoot games, and how many games can you get to? And usually they put those lazy bums <laughs> on two games, maybe one, yeah. and they usually put my... You usually put me Shots on three fired. games. All right, well, I'm going to put you guys Triple on the spot hopper. then. I'm going to put you on the spot real quick since <laughs> we're on the topic of high school football right now. And, and and I know you probably, you know, you can't be biased or anything, but I want an honest answer from you. What high school has the best uh, game night, well, I guess it's a game day, but night experience uh, for a Friday night game in Jacksonville? And I'll ask you both this question. Uh, I, I think, I'm going to say in our viewing area. Yes. And I think the best atmosphere that I've been to in my 12 years here, when it's going well, now they've dropped off in recent years, is Camden County. Okay. Camden County gets, <laughs> he's a Charlton County guy, that's their rival. Okay, I got you. Uh, but Camden County gets, what, what do you think, Marcel? I mean, so, seven to uh, 10,000? When they were, when they were good, easy. Yeah. Wow. I mean, okay. It's it's legit. It's the closest thing I think to Friday Night Lights. It's Georgia football, which means the boosters can can mm-hmm. put a little money behind yeah, it. Their yeah. weight room is better, or at least was <laughs> better than many small colleges. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, now around here, see, I had never been to Lake City, Columbia, so I made a point to go to Lake City, Columbia. I must have picked the wrong game because honestly, I've seen our video and I always said I wanted to go out there, and the game I went to didn't have that feel. Gotcha. I think I just picked the wrong game. Baker County. When it's a big game, has a cool feel, man. They they actually like get escorted in on their bus to the stadium to like people cheering and fire trucks bringing them in. Okay, that's pretty cool. I mean, yeah. it's pretty it's cool. St. Augustine is a, we had Joey Wilds. Of course, on. I yeah, mean they yeah. love their high school football. And I will tell you this: I, I said this to somebody today. Like e- Creekside and Bartram and those places that are new, mm-hmm. newer. I mean, a couple decades old. But even like a Creekside. If you go there on a Friday night, the place is packed, yeah. and it is jamming, and they really haven't been that good. Like, they have not been that wow. good. So it's not like they've built up this rich tradition. People like to go hang out, and it's they've got a good band. they got a lot of people. It's a big school, mm-hmm. so it's a great atmosphere. I think Ponte Vedra does the same thing, man. Ponte Vedra, very well attended. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... There's a lot of good places. I know I'm listing so many, and, I, and go ahead, shoot them at me. I know social media is going to kill me here. But I put you on the spot, my bad. I, I think most people would say, to me, the closest thing to a Friday night light kind of feel in Jacksonville has always been, through my vantage point, the Lake City, Columbia, the Baker County types. But the one that I've actually experienced sincerely is probably Camden County. Because okay. when I first got here to Camden County, they were awesome. And that place was rocking. Marcel, hit me with it. Yeah, I was going to say, selfishly, I would like to say Charlton County, but obviously I haven't been to that many games um, just because they're on the Georgia um, side of the line, which is actually one thing I'm interested in saying how our program is going to be because Georgia, I'm assuming, is still going to be at 7, 7.30, so yeah. we might be able to get some more Georgia True. games in. True. Uh, but I was going to say, as soon as you said it, the first thing I thought of was uh, Lake City. I've only been to a couple games out there, but just because, you know, it, it's still – you kind of get that small town feel, which is one thing that I love. But yeah. just kind of being in there, I've like been in the locker room and you know listening to Brian Allen as he pumps up his kids, and they do the whole thing when they come out with all the the fire extinguishers and the smoke and the horn and everything. <laughs> they do. Um, nice. It's just like like it's kind of like an experience for the most part for me. Um, so I think it's great, but in 
if I was going to say from overall, I would say Lake City. But the one game I think for me, I mean, it's one that I've been going to for years that kind of is just like none other is the Reigns Reball. Yeah, game. good call. And that's a 2 o'clock in the afternoon. You're right, on a Saturday. I just feel like with that one there, it's, it's so much of it is like, it's kind of that feel of like a uh, like an HBCU thing. Like there's a game going on, but there's so much other. You got the band, you got you know uh, relatives, some with the rain, some with the rebound. They all come together. It's a big rivalry and everything. And and you have a lot of the former you know guys come back, especially our NFL guys that come back. Um, it, I mean it's just none, nothing like it to me. Cool. That's good. Yeah, that's a really good call too. And that does not have the Friday night lights. No. But that is a really really good call. Um, all right, you had uh, a little high school event today. I did. The uh, Nike uh, Jaguars hosting the Nike 11 on camp. Um, it's funny. It's good because uh, this year is a little different because typically these are all strictly seven on seven tournaments. Um, but this year they you know give the linemen some love, so they, it's 11 on. They had some uh, offensive linemen, and defensive linemen drills. They had some one on ones cool. out give, there. Give them the big men a little love. Uh, yeah, yeah. Had some yeah. tug of war. Had some uh, yeah, tug of war. war. <laughs> nice. Uh, but it was good though. It was, it was it's good to always see you know the high school kids come out there. No flags, it was just kind of two hand touch. But to see the the com- competition out there, and we had a lot more you know D one guys out there because that's one thing kind of this time of year when mm-hmm. a lot of the the D one the aces they won't necessarily come to these because one because they're doing like you know the elite elevens and their camps outwards. But uh, to have you know the top tier talent here as opposed to, you know the JV and kind of the you know the uh, second string guys is pretty cool. So be honest, Marissa, was there a little chippiness bet- in the trenches between offensive and defensive linemen? Because oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, listen, I'm all for showcasing the talent and skills and everything, but you got to think like if you have like a wide receiver versus defensive back, you don't need to be physical. Either the, the receiver is going to burn them and catch the ball, or the cornerback is going to knock the ball down. Yep. But like in the trenches, you have to be physical. You know, if you're doing one-on-one drills to the quarterback, I mean. There's got to be some physicality to it, and oh. you're not wearing pads, so yeah. like it, it's, it, it's it's rough. It's it was, a hard thing it, to do. It was pretty intense. I mean, especially the one on ones, because that was what everyone was waiting on. And it of was, course. It was funny because, uh, I, like you said, they're not wearing pads, but yeah. you know, you know, jam it up and everything. I may or may not have heard someone say, uh, "Snatch his chain." One guy oh, had yeah. his little chain out oh, there. Oh so snatch a uh, chain. It was getting a little rough out there. Yeah, especially against people that like you don't play with in high school. You know, like these are guys from all around the area, some mm-hmm. kind of rivalries and everything, and you want to go one on one with no pads on. There was a lot of shirt ripping out there. Jags, uh, they went on the Jags practice fields, range forced, and then into the flex field. So they got a little bit of both uh, during the day today. A little double dip. You know, you just mentioned something, too. And AAU is a lot like this, and now everything is like this. Guys now know people from hours away Mm -hmm. that play. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. There was never that. You knew the yeah. people in your town, your community, and you hated the other ones. <laughs> you yeah. didn't know them, but you hated them. Right. That's not the case anymore. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know the kid from South Florida. You know the kid from Tampa. You know the kid from Orlando. Heck, he might play on your same seven-on-seven team or travel team or whatever team. Yeah. It's really a different dynamic in youth sports at how friendly these players are, and that helps sometimes in recruiting because it becomes the Pied Piper effect. You get one guy like, hey, I want to go where he goes. Right. You know, we've been talking a, lo- a bunch. Uh, speaking of talking, let's talk to Mark right now. He's jumping in on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. We're giving away Guns N' Roses tickets for the uh, best bit of poetry around uh, roses are red, violets are blue. Mark, what's happening, man? What you got? How bad do you want the tickets? Uh, love to get them, man. Roses are red, violets are blue. Foles leads Jags to first Super Bowl for him, win number two. Ah, okay. I was wondering. I was like, I was, is Where's he going, going off the rails here for a second? Where's no. this going? Okay. Big finish. Good nice job, Mark. Uh, are we taking these numbers down in case we have to call these people back? Yeah, that's a good call. Take Mark's number. Well, we just put him back on hold, yeah. Well, take Mark's number down just yeah, in case man. we decide he's a winner. Is he going to be listening to the whole time on hold? 
Well, no, I'll get his number. I'm not going to get oh, his number okay. on air. I, okay, I'm just making sure we're getting his number, though. Right. Listen, <laughs> listen, Mark, yeah. just want to let you know, Austin's really making sure he's, that you're going to get your due. Well, you know what? Because it was kind of well, like... He rocks. Well, I'm just saying, it was kind of like a Quentin Tarantino movie, man. Like, I'm not sure where Mark was going, and all of a sudden, boom, oh, I get it. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm all about it, man. <laughs> all right, man. Hey, thanks, thanks, man. thanks for listening. Yeah, we'll you let rock, you know. man. When you were playing for the Jags, I took my son and a friend to the Sharks game, and you were in our row. And uh, you were just the kindest to the boys and uh, got pictures with you and everything uh, years ago when you were actively an active player with the Jags. So uh, it's a lifelong memory we always have of you. So love listening to you. We're glad you're, you're back here. Awesome, dude, man. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thanks, Mark. Got appreciate it, you listening, bud. Man of the people. Oh, oh yeah, you gotta uh, be, man. I thought he was gonna bring up something else out of the short game. Was, uh, more, you know what I really he thought he had? I was like, I don't know. Hey, I remember that time I saw you at the Sharks game. You had your shirt off. You were faded. You, had, yeah. you were double fisted. Where are we going with that? Uh, and just so you know, Kuz has taken down his number. I'm just, yeah, I'm making sure everyone gets a fair shot. I feel it's like all there's a little sentiment uh, for Mark now. Well, no, I'm just, you know, I'm trying to be a man of the people, Brent. I'm trying to make sure everyone gets a fair shake at it. We have people chiming in on Facebook, on Twitter, calling in and everything. So, by all means, let's hear what you guys got, and we'll pick a winner. Well, we have some pretty good ones, too, and I, yeah. we'll read some more on Facebook. So, it's not just, like, just the calls. We have some on social media. Uh, Kyle had a good one earlier. He wasn't the only one, but you liked the, the one right out of the gates. Mm-hmm. And then we have some on Facebook that we have to uh, read or rip. <laughs> yeah, yeah, depending on how good it is. Yeah. Uh, Submarine Mike uh, doesn't know what the heck to do with himself uh, because it's the uh, the Iceman yeah. season is is not in play. But uh, let's talk to Submarine Mike. You got some poetry on the whiteboard or what? I do have poetry. It's not on the whiteboard. I came up with this on the fly. So here we go. Roses are red, violets are blue. I'm awesome with a whiteboard. And Austin is too. Oh, very nice, man! You had a better chance to win if you just ripped Austin right there. I don't like all this nice fluffy stuff. To be fair, Brent, I mean, if it comes down to a fight, I'm probably gonna beat you, and I'm gonna have the last call. So, I'm a, I'm I'm a fan of that one, Brent. Let's go ahead and put that one in the in the winners category here. All right, submarine Mike, submarine Mike, good work. I know. uh, I bet uh, you like that pineapple and ham pizza too from Renna's the other day. (laughs) So I know that. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for calling in. Uh, let's take a break. When we come back, uh, Marcel Robinson catches up with Mo Williams, former hey, Mo. Jaguars uh, offensive lineman, now part of the team as well. What his role was today at the high school event and uh, 25th anniversary or 25th season of the Jacksonville Jaguars. We catch up with another former Jag. Coming up at a 525, Joel Schmeggy calls in. Uh-huh. This is another one of those guys that when we put the feeler out there, the fans said, Schmeggy. He, he, he's got that blue-collar, just, you know, fan-favorite kind of name, doesn't he? I like it. Smaggy. Yeah. So he's going to join us uh, coming up in a little bit as well. We do have a little NBA draft talk. I to hope get so. To. Yeah. I think we have to do that. I mean, as part of Murray State Alumni Week, yes, I feel like we have to do that. All right. Thanks. Uh, poetry, Mo Williams, Schmangy, NBA draft, all on the way on ESPN 6 night. All right, we got an interview with uh, Mo Williams coming up. Remember, uh, roses are red, violets are blue. Coos, you got a couple before yeah. we get to Mo Williams? Some of them, yeah. Some don't uh, necessarily make sense to me. Well, let's hear them. Because <laughs> they probably make sense to us. I was just This is the best part is that Coos has to read them. Like, yeah. I could read them right here. Yeah. Not sure you want me to or not, but it's better if Coos reads them. Is this where I get to play my dyslexic card? Because... <laughs> 
this could be a disaster. Here we go. Uh, all right, BJ posts, uh, roses are red, violets are blue. I'm blindly believing in my Detroit Lions again, and the Jaguars too. All right. It's not a horrible one. No. Yeah, but you got to have the syllables. you got to count them out. You oh, have you're that saying, like, you're, okay, I see what you're saying. Well, Maybe I don't you think, should clap good. during the reading of this. All right. No, don't roses do, are no, red, <laughs> violets are blue. <laughs> Last year was an anomaly. The Jaguars aren't through was posted by uh, Jeremy. I'm not mad at that. Opt- optimism. That's fair. That can go a long way. Let's go ahead and write that one down in the winner's category. Okay. Billy posts, roses are red, violets are blue. <laughs> Make the damn playoffs or it's bye-bye, Douglas. <laughs> um, is that a haiku? I don't know. Hey. <laughs> that rhymed. Hey. Um, that oh, was good, Brent. Bars. Douglas, huh? <laughs> Did you know that? That's a middle name, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Wait, is he saying bye bye Douglas like me or Doug Marone? I think Marone. I'm assuming yeah. Doug Marone. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um. You know what? <laughs> Rhyming just not really there for me. So it's gonna be a no for me. That's a no for me, Doug. It's a little silly, Billy. Yeah. <laughs> Brent's just on fire with the rhyming. Oh man! All right, the last Old one. Old Town Road, Brent. Travis Post. <laughs> Roses are red, violets are blue. Jags better pay Jan and Jalen too. Not bad. Well. Brent's so mad at that one. <laughs> Brent's so upset. No, I'm not. You gotta wait. You gotta wait your time. No. <laughs> hey, Coos. Hey, the only one bracket. I love it. <laughs> pro, pro player post. By the way, they'll be in. Uh, they'll pay on by the time Guns and Roses comes to Jacksonville. Ooh, okay. October first. October first. But here's the real question: Was that Jan's burner account right there? <laughs> <laughs> Does Jan want to go see Guns and Roses and also oh. trying to promote himself a little bit? This one's well, a good one what's too. What's up, Jan? Uh, one winners more, category. One more. Brandon posts: Roses are red, violets are blue. I was at shaky knees when Mrs. Lane said, "I do." Oh, that hey. That all checks out. I was gonna say that all checks out. That's that's kind of tugs at your heartstrings there. I like that. Let's go put that. Yeah, put, it the, yeah, put it in the winners bracket, man. The dude uh, called me out on the shaking knees. Yeah, I like it. Brent so mad he's not getting any about him. <laughs> I don't think I want a poem about me. <laughs> I don't know where that would go. It could be dangerous. It could be really could dangerous. Could be rough news, huh? Okay. All right. Uh, you caught up with Mo Williams today, huh? I did. Uh, I always get to talk to the big Mo. He was out there, kind of helping out with some of the offensive linemen, uh, prep stars out there, um, giving some. Pointers. Uh, it's always pretty good. He's always he's one of those guys where, um, like he's not really a big rah rah kind of guy. Like he's very much subdued. Yeah. Um, but when you talk to him, he just says kind of so much. Like a, a even when we were talking before the interview, he was kind of telling me about you know how the guys. Um, he even says he remembers some of the kids from years past, which is pretty impressive. Pretty a lot good. of kids out there. Yeah. Former uh, Jaguars lineman Mo Williams, Action Sports Jacks Marcel Robinson catching up with him this afternoon. How much does it mean to you, and actually, how does it feel to get out here and kind of see the up-and-coming football players uh, of you know the next generation coming out here at this football camp? Uh, it's always it's always fun to come out here to see the um, younger offensive linemen, younger um, players here in the city. Um, Jacksonville has some great talent, and um, the last couple of years the Jaguars have grown this camp. And um, the last couple of years I've been able to work with this this group on the offensive line, so I've seen seen some of the same faces that I've seen in years past, and, and just seeing how they're developing, starting to just learn the concepts with being an offensive lineman. It was a lot of fun today. Now, as someone who obviously played for the Jaguars in the National Football League, the progression from the young kids to the older kids is one of the biggest things. So like you just kind of mentioned, you, you see some of the familiar faces and how they've grown. Does it kind of give you, like, warm your heart a little bit to see kind of that they are taking it seriously and they are improving their craft? 
Absolutely. Football is such a great sport. And I know there's a lot of um, pushback from football right now. But see, guys are in it. They'll have the injuries. They're actually enjoying their craft. And um, you don't become a pro bowl overnight. So right now these guys are learning the process. Okay, every year I just have to get better, have to get stronger, have to get faster. And they'll see more opportunities um, to come from these guys. They'll know some guys are being recruited for scholarships to go to different, these big-time universities now. So it's fun from a player perspective to see what the next generation of players are going to look like. And so um, I love this opportunity. Now, many of these camps are strictly dedicated to, you know, the seven-on-seven portion, the quarterbacks, the wide receivers, even some of the running backs. But you being an offensive, former offensive lineman, getting to see, you know, the defensive lineman and the offensive lineman going at it today, that's got to be great, right? Finally, the linemen are getting some love. Absolutely. And there's one thing, you have camps all over the city. You'll see, you'll see seven-on-seven tournaments happen. There's not a lot for the offensive linemen. So I love the fact that they provided the last couple of years I had this opportunity for linemen to actually work their skills and learn their, their um, what they do better, not only from just um, former professional athletes like me, but Avery Jones is there today as well, and some of the rookies came out. But one of the parts I love is when I, I get them prepared for the competition portion of it because now they get to go one-on-ones, and that's their, t- that's their chance to shine. Because um, as offensive linemen, we look forward to, to beating up people, knocking them out of there, defensive line look forward to go getting after their quarterback so it was a lot of fun how serious did those one-on-one drills get out there it got pretty serious after a while you know a couple guys get bull rushed down to the ground it's like okay it's about to get real and um i like it from just a coach's perspective you can kind of control it make sure that it doesn't get out of hand and the guys are super respectful because they don't have helmets on they they they, they know they only can go so far but you still got to remind them like okay <laughs> all right let's let's be be safe out here now do you feel like with you being a former jaguar and obviously ab jones being in a current jaguar out here you get kind of you know that uh um, I guess obviously they, they don't necessarily know your specific credentials because the offensive line, it's so hard you know, to really you know, hone in on somebody. But what can you teach these guys out here, and what's probably the biggest uh, feedback that you've gotten from some of these players and coaches? Just um – I think one, you have to respect anybody who's played in the NFL, and just they and they give that. And then, uh, then two, I've I've done so many drills over the years, and so I'm just it's easy for me just to jump into drill to go. Okay, let's do this with our hands. Let's do this with our feet, and that's what we're able to do today. I think um, for a, for a, a large part of that, I had like maybe 60 kids all by myself out there, but we had a lot of fun just going through drills, going through, going through skills, and just really showing how they can be better at what they do. And um and I and I know that some of this probably what they're seeing from the coaches now, like okay, Coach Mo know what he's talking about, but it was a lot of fun. Now, I'm going to ask you this question, and I know you're going to give me a completely unbiased, fair answer. Who looked better out there, the offensive line or defensive line? You know what? My guys are ready on the offensive line today. We came out there, and we was, we was ready to battle. Uh, the defensive line had a couple wins in there. They absolutely, we had some clear wins. But overall, I'll give it to the offensive line today. Now, one thing we're also celebrating this year is the 25th anniversary of the Jacksonville Jaguars, you being part of that history. Tell me, what does it mean for you to be able to look back and say that I was a part of, you know, a quarter century of Jaguars football? I know it's crazy when you think it's been 25 years. I, for nine nine of those years, I was a big part of that. And um, it just really shows just the, the staple that the Jacksonville Jaguars had on our community here and just really showing how this organization has grown and um when you think back all the greats and Fred Taylor, Tony Baselli, Mark Brunel, uh, Gerard, and, and many other players, Rasheem Mathis, you just think about this, all the, just the great memories we've had at playing together out here on this gridiron. Now, speaking of memories, give me one of your greatest memories that you remember of being a member of the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'll give you two. I think being drafted. I just, um, being in Detroit, we didn't get a whole lot about the Jacksonville Jaguars when I could draft here. And I was like, okay, where is that? <laughs> but being here, and I played nine years here. And then, but probably my favorite memory on the field would be um, our big playoff win versus Pittsburgh. I think that's, that, that hands down just one of the special moments of, of our years going on to play the Patriots in the next round. And just, um, so that would probably be my favorite moment. 
Now, last question about you know the Jaguars and being a former player. A lot of our former players, once they you know stop playing football, even if they go play for other teams, they always end up back in Jacksonville to you know make this their home, their staple. Uh, what do you think is is it about this community that makes you know all the players want to you know make this their home? It's a good city. I think you get here, you may be looking for a faster pace of life, and then, um, but then something about the city just grows on you. And um, I've been here since 2001 now, and it's just over time. I think the faith community is, is huge here, and you have um, some good some good relationships in, in that that help you just feel more part of the community. And this, um, I've done work in the community with my foundation. There's just some great people here in Jacksonville. And after a while, you're like, you know what, this is a good place to raise a family. So I wanted to raise my family here. I have four boys, and I've been married 15 years. So this is um, this is a good city. It's, it's growing. So it's kind of cool to even see the changes over the years since I've been here. So it's, it's a good a good town, a good community, and it's a team that backs us, um, a city that backs this team. Well, hopefully this team will give them something to back, back them up for this year, right? Yeah, Super Bowl would be nice, man. I, I, we can't have another last year. <laughs> there you go. Mo Williams uh, talking to Marcel Robinson. He's a good dude. Yeah. He's a good dude. He's a team like chaplain that. now the last couple of years uh, down at Jags headquarters. Yeah. Also, shout out to Avery Jones for having time to go coach a, a little level, level in camp, but you can't go to ATM to get me my money. So, <laughs> pops out to Avery Jones, man. Hey, you have some time on your hands. I don't know what the Canadian exchange rate is for that 50 bucks. Well, but. <laughs> I tell you what, interest is going to have it at least 1000 pretty soon. Just here. don't ask Coos. Yeah. Well. <laughs> uh, hey, when we come back, a uh, little NBA chatter. Also, some more roses or red, violets or blues. Guns and Roses tickets will give away. Stay in your lane. Bare knuckle boxing in Tampa. Yep. And Joel Schmengi. By popular request. In the 5 o'clock hour. Plus, Vita DeLuise Happy Hour Horn. It's all coming up. Oh, we have more poetry. More poets. Mm, Appreciate all the uh, participation. I was looking. I got sidetracked by Marcel Robinson tweeting a picture of himself again. City of Folkestone. (laughs) Again, I haven't tweeted a picture of myself for a long time. Yeah, like 36 (laughs) hours. Uh, Eric Nelson says, roses are red, violets are blue. Thinking of the days of Fred. I hope 27 is too. Dope. Not Not bad, bad, right? Not bad. I like that one. I don't think had that's the too right bad. syllable count. Yeah, I like that. You like your big syllable count. Well, I just it's got to flow, man. Yeah, I hear come you. on. Dan Davis says roses are red, violets are blue. Sean Merriman won't soon forget Maurice Jones Drew. That's a good oh. point. Going back in time a little bit, I like it. History lights out. Uh, Clay, roses are red, violets are blue. The Jags are going to win the division. And Ric Flair says, "Woo!" Okay, how are we gonna pick a winner of these? Pretty good, man. Seriously, how do you pick a winner out of this? All right, someone just PayPal me a hundred bucks. That's Austin. <laughs> Maureen says, uh, "Roses are red, violets are blue. When you meet the Jaguar crew, all that will be left is your residue." Okay. A little trash talking right okay, there. Okay, I like it. Uh, I, Steve says, "Roses are red, violets are blue. If the Jags don't make the playoffs, Doug Marone is through." That's smooth. I mean, it's smooth though. Mm. It's topical. Is it true? Absolutely. We've been talking about it since oh, day one. I see you, Coos. Yeah. And is it true on the end? <laughs> Very good. Uh, I think that's uh, all caught up for now. Star Star 690 for more. We have to pick a winner out of all these soon. Yeah, I know. And someone's got to send one about Brent, too, please. <laughs> no, you don't. This is about yeah, the Jags. Yeah, well, it's, it's about all of us here, Brent. <laughs> and uh, don't be uh, disappointed if we don't pick you as a winner today because potentially, we still don't know the answer, but tomorrow we might uh, we might dig back into this. And and pick a winner rather than just give it away as a caller. This is way more creative. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to be here tomorrow, so have fun with that. Yeah, what else is new? It's Friday. It's Friday, man. Everybody knows that now. Yeah, everybody's down on Friday. Four-day work week guy. Yeah, what can I say? What would you rather work if you could? Okay. Four 10-hour shifts in four a 40-hour week Okay. or five-eighths? Oh, four tens all day. Come Easy. on, man. Yeah. yeah. Yep. No brainer. I know. What yep. it was like, what did nurses do? Is it three 12 hour shifts? Oh, give it to me. Yeah, I think they were like, like three 12 hour shifts? Heck yeah. Like three on three hour yeah. shift is like, that's an easy day. I know, but... It's a normal uh, Friday for I'm not saying, say. Hey, don't misinterpret that. I'm not saying it's an easy day for nurses. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what they do. It's going against nurses yeah, no, no, now. No, no, no. I'm yeah. saying for... <laughs> Just yeah, pretty normal. First, he's not paying the younger uh, players in the NFL, oh, and now man. he's going against nurses. <laughs> Just kidding, man. I understand you're on the player's side. <laughs> for, for the most part. <laughs> For the most for part. The most part. Uh, so. Hey, a little happy hour award time. Vita de Louis. Uh, let's uh, have a drink. I was going to do a Swedish accent, but I don't have that in me today. So. Oh, you weren't going to do a Roses Are Red, Violets Are Blue poem for it? Oh. No, how about if I do? Roses Are Red, right. Violets Are Blue. There's no better tequila than Vida de Lu. We, we, we. <laughs> Once again, about the syllables. <laughs> hey, but listen, okay. man. Grab a drink, get a shot, tip your star thunder. What, what if you would have said... Hey, that was pretty good. What if you, you said, know what? But it really wasn't though, right? Because it didn't it didn't really rhyme. You should have said Vita de Louis tequila is the one for you. Ah, oh, Marcel. Wordsmith, Marcel. man. Bars. Wordsmith. You are killing it today. Bars. Uh, locally owned tequila right here in Jacksonville. Made in tequila, Mexico, and shipped directly to Jack's Beach. Make your own recipes with Vita de Louis tequila, one of the smoothest tequilas you will ever taste. Locations, recipes, and merchandise. Visit VitaDeLouis.com. Of course, drink responsibly. Uh, will there be a lot of drinking in New Orleans today? That's an understatement. First of all, I think there's already been a lot of drinking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what else is new? Any day that ends in Y, they're yeah. going to be drinking there. Uh, so. Did you just you just shared a, a picture of Zion Williamson or a video? Yes, I did. With a $120,000 watch on? 120 Gs. I don't get it. Like, Cha-ching. Then we're trying to figure that out, right? We're like, Flex of the day, by the way. Yeah, $120,000 watch. You know how many things I would buy before a watch? For 120 grand. Now, obviously, he won't be hurting for. He can buy whatever he wants. Yep. So, I get it, um, or I don't get it. But <laughs> I mean, that's like halfway home or two thirds away home to a Lamborghini, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, and people call it. Well, first of all, it's not called a watch. It's called a timepiece. Because any time that you spend, I think, what is it, over five thousand dollars on a watch, you call it a timepiece. That's what I've been told. Oh yeah. One of uh, Great. one of one of my friends once bought a a tag her. I think it is, a tag her, a tagger, whatever, a tag tagger, something, right? Whatever it's called, a, a tagger. An, no, an, an expensive watch. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I was so enthralled because it, he's not a flashy dude by any means. So it didn't have any diamonds on it, but it was. It was a pricey watch. I'm not gonna say much, but <clears throat> like you know, eight, nine grand. And um, so I was looking at it, and I was just like, dude, I mean, what's so special about this watch? It's like, well, it can run forever, you know. I mean, it's the way they put it together. It's so meticulous, you know, and all this stuff. 
And he's like, it's scratch resistant. I'm like, oh, it's scratch resistant. And I, I never forget, we're at uh, Cantino Laredo, having some food, and I took a steak knife and I started to scratch the glass. I'm like, scratch resistant, and it didn't scratch. But then, ever, but whenever he wore that, whenever he wore that watch around me, I would always like take my keys or like whatever I could find to try to scratch that watch to prove the point. But it never got scratched. So nine thousand dollars, well spent. I don't but, even wear a watch. But, but to get back to the point, though, it's like, man, a hundred grand is, uh, man, Steve. it's a lot. That's Steve. a lot. Uh, 120 grand. Zion Williamson, obviously number one pick tonight. Uh, no surprises. John Morant definitely going to Memphis number two, or do we see a surprise? I think that's going to be the one. And I haven't even sure this story. Do you guys know how John Morant went to Murray State in the first place? I mean, I know the story's been kind of on the interwebs, but I'm not sure if you guys are aware of it. Then they, then they find him like in a, like a uh, like regular pickup ball. Like yeah, somewhere. So it, I thought he said Austin Lane did it, so I'm doing well, it too. Yeah, so what happened was I saw him play, I called up some coaches at Murray State and got him on the road. No, but I'll quick show the story. So, um, you know, Murray State's not the biggest Division One school, so mm-hmm. they kind of have to find players in um, untapped uh, markets. So an assistant coach from Murray State went to an AU basketball tournament uh, I think in the middle of like Arkansas or like Alabama or something like that, a really small one, like a regional one. Like zero of the big scouts were there. And, you know, they're there watching these guys because there's a recruit that they're trying to get, mm-hmm. so they're watching him play um, you know, five on five. Well, the guy that went to go watch the dude from uh, that they're trying to recruit went to go get some snacks at a vending machine. And uh, when he got some snacks from the vending machine, he heard a basketball bounce, and he just kind of looked out, and there were these guys playing three on three basketball. Um, and they call it the auxiliary gym. It's kind of like the gym that you know normally goes into. It's crappy. And uh, so he's just watching this kid play. This kid play. He's like, huh. He's not bad. So he goes in the gym, and he notices there's a guy wearing a GoPro uh, on, on the top of his head. And he's like, hey, I'm you know, so-and-so from Murray State. I see you have a GoPro here. We're recording this whole game. And the guy's like, yeah. And it happened to be John Morant's dad. Hmm. So what happened was is that the, he saw the GoPro footage. He saw Job play a little bit in the three-on-three game in the auxiliary gym. And he told the coaches at Murray State, like, listen, we got to stay an extra day. we got to watch this kid John Morant play because he might be something special. So they stayed the extra day. John Morant played in a five-on-five game for AU tournament once again in a smaller gym and they saw right there like we're offering this kid because nobody else was offering him how about that now now what happens is once see that's unbelievable legwork and great yeah. I mean, kind of fall into it, but still, yeah, you, you have to. It, well, yeah. but you're still going to do a little work there. Yeah, for and sure. so he sets the work, and then what happens is all the other schools eventually hear about that. Oh, wait, we got to check out this kid. Why did they just offer him? Yeah, yeah. And so I, I don't know that part of the story. Do you know if he had a ton of offers coming out by the end of the day? No, uh, so at the end of the day, they and started to increase a little more. Yeah, but at the time, I think he only had two D2 offers, and um, Murray State was definitely committed towards him, so I think he kind of like gave his Say, yeah. uh, intent right away. Which, which is, uh, first which, one in usually helps. Absolutely, right? yeah. So they they offered him, and then the rest is history. That's really but cool. But I mean, all because the assistant coach was to get some snacks. I'll tell you what. It's really cool. And think about that now. Uh, Morant, John Morant, how long was he there? All f- uh, three years. Three years. I, I, think three, I think it's three years. So, okay, yeah. so you're just talking about four years ago, right? See, yeah. what my belief, I have a belief that it is impossible to not be seen anymore. Like, you know, like uh, even around here, you'll get a lot of kids that say they want to. It was two years, by the way. Two years at Murray State. Yeah, two years. So there's a lot of kids that want to go to. Now it's a lot of people go over to Trinity, right? Mm Because you're going to see some of the scouts there to watch and whether it's Fred Davis or any five star or a lot of the talent or maybe in the maybe they'll go to Bowles baseball. Hunter Barco was over there. So you can. But I just don't believe you have to. 
I don't think, like, I get the reasoning and the thought process, but I think you have to. I mean, there's the video everywhere. There are tournaments everywhere. There's this. Yeah. Everywhere. It's hard to go through the cracks. Yeah. yeah. Now, and slip through them and not be seen. Mm-hmm. But that's a, an interesting story of a guy that was pretty close to doing so. Yeah. Now, he, now, he probably four years ago, especially because he's still not this huge physical presence, it, that was probably turning people off. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's probably mm-hmm. just a skinny kid in oh, high yeah. school. Well, and, and to be fair, and this is, I mean, if you want to throw a knock on him, you can throw a knock on him where he's not the biggest guy not, yeah. by any means. And I think that has a lot to go with recruiting as well. You see this guy, even even a point guard, um, kind of being a little, you know, on the skinny side and on the shorter side. So I am curious to see how he translates to the NBA. Now, one would assume eventually he will put some muscle on and everything like that, gain some weight. But, um, yeah, there, there, is, there is a little question to the fact that can he play a full NBA season? Yeah, I agree with you. And I think that's maybe a small knock, but I don't know if it matters. <laughs> the way no, he's so explosive and, and yeah. can score it. All right, so uh, you're pretty confident Morant's going to uh, Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I think the fact that they, they removed Conley now, they traded him away. Yeah. Um, that was kind of the question is, would you bring in John Morant, have him play behind Conley for a year just to kind of learn the game? But I think John Morant's too much of a special talent not to play right away. So, yeah, I think with Conley going now, um, to the Utah Jazz, it's definitely going to be John Rant number two. Why is this mindset, and Marcel might be a believer in it, that R.J. Barrett's the best player in this draft? There's a lot of folks yeah. that are they just reaching because everybody's on the Zion train and John yeah. Morant train, and it's like, okay, well, I'm going to pick somebody different because I want to be the smartest guy, yeah. or is there something to, to it? To be fair, I'll let Marcel go, but I'm just going to quick say, I think with R.J. Barrett, I would not be surprised if the guy won rookie of the year because I think his game right now coming out of college correlates the best to the NBA. You know, he's, he's, he's a pretty good shooter and everything playing one would assume for the Knicks. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think he could be a star in that team. So I think his game right now is probably the most NBA polished, but I think as far as, um, you know, like the boomer bust value, I think uh, he's kind of right in the middle. I don't think he's going to be like a world beater, uh, an all-star, but I think he, he might get rookie of the year. Yeah. I feel like, and honestly, I've, I felt this way even when, you know, the, the talk about Zion being the you know the best uh, player to come in the NBA since LeBron James started you know the you know, year back, but I feel like with him, I feel like RJ Barrett's game translates to like directly be able to be affect the game immediately more than anyone else. Like I, I like Zion, like, like we've never seen anything, we haven't seen many like him, but I feel like his his aggressive like uh like his his style of play, I feel like it's gonna really kind of not necessarily hinder him, but it, it's not gonna have the same effect in the NBA because guys are obviously going to be bigger and faster and stronger and everything. Uh, but I think with RJ, and especially with the Knicks, if he goes to the Knicks, I mean, there's really nothing there but him. Um, I could easily, and I was talking to this For now. I, <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see. I was I was saying, I feel like with him, um, and I was talking about this to someone yesterday, I feel like he could easily be a, a 25 and 10 guy, you know, first day mm-hmm. in, in, in October. Um, and he can, he can fill it up, he can shoot, he can drive, he's got all the tools that you need. Um, they'll probably put on a slight a bit more weight, but he, I mean, he can run the floor, he can crash boards, I mean, he does everything you want him to do. All right, uh, we'll talk more about the, the NBA draft tomorrow, but before we leave the NBA draft tonight and see what happens, because I kind of feel like it's a foregone conclusion on the top three, then it gets interesting after that. Yeah. But, uh, where, uh, by, uh, one thing to keep an eye on Orange Park, uh, Nasir Little, who played North Carolina, that played at, in, Orlando, I think, in high school, it's the last year or two, but I think originally from Orange Park, hmm. I think he's uh, mocked at least to go in the top 15. So a little local flavor there, although it's not really that local anymore. <laughs> I, you can't keep track of everybody wherever they're playing. So he speaks to my high school conversation. Yeah. I mean, he went down to Orlando to play. Snyder kids um, doing the same thing. Is he? Mm-hmm. 
So he's going to go down to Orlando. I think he's going to Orlando. Huh. Interesting. Um, who's a sleeper? Been asking for two so, days. Give it to me. Yeah, I have, uh, I have, well, three of them really. Um, I bunch one yesterday. Tumo Key, uh, from, I'm sorry, Tumo Kiki from, uh, Auburn. Um, the guy that tore his ACL. Yep. yep. You mentioned uh, in, him. in the tournament. Yep. Um, supposed to be a top 15 guy, tore his ACL, coming off that injury now. Probably won't get a full run this season. So I think it's a guy that's definitely going to fall in the draft. But I think a guy where a team, you know, that could, uh, afford to have him on the bench a little bit could benefit from him in the long run. So he's one of my guys. Another guy too. And Brent, you mentioned it. We we're talking about, um, you know, like the way, like you can see high schoolers play on, you know, they're on YouTube now. I mean, they're everywhere. And this one guy, uh, came out with Zion. I was super interested in him because he was like the, well, I think the number one, number two recruit in the nation. His name is Ball Ball. He's, uh, oh yeah. Manute Bull's son mm-hmm. went to Oregon and mm-hmm. there was all this hype around him because he's like a, I think he's 7'2. Um, he's got like an eight foot wingspan, just a freaking nature, can shoot the three ball. Uh, the biggest knocks on him though was, well, number one, he got hurt. He, he so he's like seven foot tall, Brent, 225 pounds, know. you know, and, uh, also his, his effort, his efforts definitely lack. That's, that's the biggest con right now. The NBA uh, scouts are saying the fact that he doesn't play hard. Um, he takes plays off, which you don't want to do in the NBA, obviously. Well, Sometimes. Uh, <laughs> Preserve yourself. Yeah, so uh, Ball Ball is definitely a guy before he got hurt. I think at Oregon was a, definitely a top 10 pick. It's probably going to fall now because, once again, people are questioning how much he loves the game. But, dude, anytime you have a guy that tall that can shoot the three ball like that, it is intriguing. And then, uh, the, you know, the last guy, uh, I'm just going to throw him out there, is Taco Fall. You yeah, know, uh, Yeah, it, it's a guy that nobody really knew of, I feel like, until the tournament started. Played big in the yeah, tourney. Played big in the tourney. Anytime you had a guy that tall, um, that can be a shot blocker, that can be a kind of a monster in the paint. I mean, teams are always looking for length, and uh, Taco Fall has that in spades. So yeah. those, those he, are my three. He, too, weighs 65 pounds. So. No, for sure. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, uh, my, my guy, as soon as you said sleeper, the first person that came to mind was Truman, same thing. I mean, yeah. the, the ACL tear, obviously, everyone's going to you know sleep on him because of the injury, but if he can come back from that, someone will get him for a steal. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, we'll see what happens. You got any draft Brent or not? No, no, no really. you're good. Okay. No, nope. gotcha. uh, okay. I, I stopped listening after the top three picks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why not even just start the draft at pick number four, though? Like, I, I, that's what I always well, say. Well, I, I, I got a feeling, though, that two and three is still a little. Uh, not, not. I say you know, there's could be a flip flop. Yeah. You know, I, I, but, but like we'll four see. is where it gets really interesting because the Pelicans are back on the clock. And nah, then, I know what you're saying. I'm just saying yeah. I don't, I, Zion's a lock. I'm not convinced. 100%. Yeah. I wouldn't go to Vegas and put money on Morant. Really? Second. No. Really? So you think Arthur Barrington? No, I'm just saying I oh, think there's yeah, a chance. Okay. I, I just, or, or, or there's like a trade or something. Yeah, yeah. I just, I'm not locked into that. I okay. think there have even been late rumors about the Knicks in that three pick, haven't there? Well, they, they um, who'd they work? They worked someone out, but then after that said, they're definitely Barrett. Which well, gotta okay. be pretty upsetting when you go to a team. <laughs> <laughs> I actually saw an interesting article from like the Business Insider that I was talking about if John Morant was to go to Memphis, how much money he could draw there because he is kind oh, of an yeah. electrifying player and everything. And I didn't know this, but John Morant, uh, like if you wanted to put a, a monetary value on it, brought Murray State two hundred twenty million dollars this year with like coverage and everything. Wow! From ESPN, two hundred twenty million dollars. Wow, like so always. you know what? Go, go, go ahead and wear that expensive watch, mm-hmm. uh, Zion Williamson. And go ahead and uh, pay to play. And I yeah. mean, it's a, you just think if he got, he brought in two hundred twenty million, John yeah. Morant to Murray State. I always go back to how much did Tim Tebow bring into Florida? 
How much again, it wasn't like actually the monetary value. It was like, you know, with, with coverage and everything. That, that's what the value yeah, yeah, was no, of the get coverage. Yeah, get yeah, yeah. It's unbelievable. It's insane, though. Amazing. Uh, hey, we have Kendall on the line. Uh, been hanging on for a while, so uh, sorry to keep you waiting. But on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690, Guns and Roses tickets, you got to do a little poetry. What you got? I have. Roses are red. Violets are blue. Please, Jacksonville Jaguars, don't play like poo. We love you. <laughs> oh, a little bonus oh, line. Oh, I, I like, like it. it. A little bonus line. All right, Kendall, little hang freestyle. on. Hang on the line. Uh, Coos will pick you up, get you information as we uh, determine a winner. Now we welcome in RJ. Uh, he's going to have to follow that one up. Now, what you got, RJ, with the roses are red? All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. Hello? Yep, uh, we're ready. We're All right. Roses are red. Good job on the dumper. All right. Uh, well, anyway, RJ's not playing, not a winner. But thanks to uh, Kendall for calling in and uh, everybody else for participating. We'll have a winner for you in just a little bit. When we get back, Joel Schmange, 25th anniversary of the Jag, 25th season for the Jacksonville Jaguars. We try to go back in Jaguars history with Joel Schmange, another fan favorite. Coming up on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Guns and Roses tickets in just a little bit. We've got uh, a lot of social media interaction on our Roses or Red, Violets or Blue, and then finish it up with a Jaguar or two. Ah, you like that, Austin? Yeah, See but, that? yeah but you're not getting the tickets, though. No, you're, not getting the tickets. You're eligible, so it was a nice try. Though. It just rolled right off the tongue there. Yeah. Uh, Brett Martineau, former Jags player Austin Lane, Coos is here as well, and the entire month of June, we've been visiting with former Jaguars players. 25th season of the Jacksonville Jaguars. So right now, on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. We welcome to the show number 99, Joel Smangy. How was that? That was, that was okay. <laughs> okay. You ask him. He's with us. Well, he told me to do it. <laughs> Joel, what's happening, man? That was that was pretty good right there, I'll tell you. It brings back some memories. Hey, How you doing, guys? We're doing, doing good, great. Man. Thanks for spending some time with us. I know we weren't here back in the days when you were playing with the Jags, but I appreciate you uh, jumping on for a few minutes because so many fans, when we put this out there, uh, asked for you uh, when we said, who would you like to talk to and hear from? Uh, you're up in Michigan these days, and and uh, I had a buddy call. I said, hey, what do you know about Schmengi? He said, the whole crowd used to say Schmangy when the public address announcer number ninety nine, Joel. What did that mean to you? What was that like uh, here in Jacksonville when everybody was saying your last name? Well, I'll tell you, it was very exciting. The, the problem is they they only did it when I made a play, so they didn't get to do it very often. So. <laughs> hey, come uh, on! Now you had thirty five and a half sacks in your career. That's, that's pretty good. Pretty impressive, man. Well, I had a lot of good guys around me and good coaches, so that that helped me. But no, it was uh, it's great memories to think back to those days. I bet Joel Schmegi with us, uh, the former number ninety nine of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, give us a separation for you, Joel. Uh, first uh, handful of years in the league with the uh, in New Orleans, and then the last handful of years with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, what were those two stints like in your memory? Obviously, you uh, got to experience a lot of pretty cool football here in Jacksonville. I did. It was very exciting to be. I think I was actually one of the original twenty. Uh, on the team uh, when Coach Coughlin assembled the team that he did. And uh, coming from New Orleans, I was 
mentored under some great players there in New Orleans for quite a few years. I was behind Ricky Jackson and Pat Swelling and the, the likes of that linebacking crew that was there. Uh, so it prolonged my career, and um, but I really kind of launched off when I got to Jacksonville, and uh, so it was a lot of great memories there. Yeah, th- think about it this way: uh, for folks just jumping in and, and don't really know, maybe the early years of the Jacksonville Jaguars and the name Joel Schmangi, uh those years in New Orleans as a young player in the NFL, a sack and a half in New Orleans, and, and played a lot of football games, but here in Jacksonville as a defensive end. Four sacks in 95, five sacks in 96, six and a half sacks in 97, seven and a half sacks in 98. You were on the escalator up for sure. And then 99, five sacks, 2006 sacks. So uh, I think I said five years, really six years and really good production. Uh, what, what did you what made you so much better here in Jacksonville? Was that just growth as a player or was it the situation you were in? Well, I, I think it was, you know, a, a change of scenery for me, and uh, it was kind of a, a a new door opened for me. And then, like I mentioned earlier, I just I had a lot of good players, a lot of veteran players around me. You know, the, the Jeff Lagermans, Clyde Simmons, and you know these guys were not only became good friends, but they were mentors to me and uh, helped me a lot in my game. And then, of course, you know we had a good coaching staff. Matter of fact, I've you know, I, I see Dom Capers is back. Yeah. Um, you know, Dom was with me in New Orleans, uh, or I with him, I guess is a better way to say it. And um, Coach Pease was in New Orleans and then came over to Jacksonville. So some of these coaches knew me and, uh, you know, knew what buttons to push, so to speak, to, to help my game. So. Joel, you're you're kind of a, a small school guy. You know, you went to school in Western Michigan, um, not necessarily the, the the biggest school, and especially back then. You know, like nowadays, I mean, if you're a good football player, teams are going to find you. Uh, can you just kind of talk about your whole process of getting drafted, going in a third round? I mean, I'm reading here it says that you ran a four six five. I'm not sure if you put that down yourself or if that's actually true. That's pretty fast. But, um, <laughs> but I just want to know, man, like, what was it like? Did you have a chip on your shoulder coming out of college, being the small school guy, and was the speed transition uh, kind of a big uh, thing going forward? I think you you nailed it. You know, the my speed is what got me to the league. Um, I was very very light um, even through my career. I um, had a hard time gaining weight. Now that's all changed now, but uh, <laughs> back then uh, I I couldn't gain weight. If, you know, they they would literally be force feeding me in meetings while we were watching film and everything else. Uh, but it was my my speed, I think, that helped me. Um, I was pretty long, you know, and tall, and to have that speed combination, it it's that's what got me looked at uh, coming out of Western. But I think I, you know, I attribute a lot of things of being a, even in high school, a small town and, you know, work ethic and, and discipline and things that, you know, habits that I tried to create as a player through, um, you know, what I lived in around here, a farming community, you know, um, those things all helped, I believe, you know. Country strong, strong <laughs> as they say. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. You know, we drank our milk. <laughs> Joe Hushmagi with us, former Jacksonville Jaguar number 99, of course, uh, played from 95 until 2000, so right at the beginning. Uh, what does it mean to you to have played at the beginning? You said part of the original 20, and now you think 25 years later. 
what's your view on that as, as you have reflected and had a chance to reflect uh, now that it's been almost 20 years since uh, you stopped playing the NFL? But it's pretty special to start off a franchise, be a part of what you guys were a part of. Obviously, 96 and 99, some of those years were just spectacular highlights of anyone's career. Uh, but give us a sense of, of reflecting back on helping get this thing off the ground here in Jacksonville. And, and now 25 years later, it's still going and going stronger than maybe it's ever been before. Not necessarily wins and losses, but in terms of the community. Well, personally, you know, I think it's just an attitude of gratitude. Um, you know, being able to be a part of that and the excitement of a new franchise and, and what Coach, you know, Coughlin and, and the community brought. And just, uh, you know, we had a lot of great players, but we also had a lot of great guys, you know, and um, teammates as people. And uh, I think it showed in the community at the time that we were all around there. And uh, it was just special times, special relationships. To this day, you know, I, I stay in contact with a lot of my, my former teammates. And uh, so it's it was just a lot of fun. And, um, you know, there's a, a special place for the Jaguars in Jacksonville, the city of Jacksonville, in my heart, and uh, my family as well. So and it, it'll always be there. Joel Schmenge uh, with us on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Brent Morton along with former Jag Austin Lane. You know, Austin was one of those guys they tried to get as a pass rusher. Uh, a few sacks in his career didn't work out in the long term. But really, this organization, if you look at it, Joel, has not had a ton of luck with pass rushers over the years. Uh, you were a very good one. Uh, they, you know, we can talk about the Lagamans of the world, but up until this last couple of years when you have Calais Campbell and now Yannick Ngakwe, I mean, you look at Calais Campbell and Yannick Ngakwe, I think they are like three and four on the franchise sack list in history, and they've only been around for two or three years. So it hasn't been a position that they've had a bunch of stars at. Why is it so hard to find good pass rushers, I guess, here in Jacksonville? Well, I, you know, I, I think they have a lot of good good pass rushers on their team and a lot of, uh, you know, that is the scheme. I think Coach Capers, you know, is, can bring some of that pressure uh, through some of the scheme and things that they'll probably be drawing up um, this year. Um, you know, they're, the thing about pass rush, it, it really comes down to a collective group effort, you know. Um, if you have just one good pass rusher, it's easy to, to double team or, you know, help with a tight end or, you know, chip off and stuff like that. But if you've got a lot of guys that are working hard together and, um, you know, practicing the, the rushing games and stuff like that, it opens things up. And I had a lot of great players around me. And, um, you know, one of the best pass rushers I think I was ever around was uh, Tony Bracken. Obviously, yes. Tony yep. was, uh, he was like a cat, you know. Uh, his speed and quickness and his strength uh, was amazing. Um, you know, I'm just thinking back, Don Davey, having a guy like that next to you at a D-tackle spot, you know, Calvin Pritchard, just those type of guys. It's, it's always a collective group when you pass rush, um, I believe. And it comes from that those four guys up front. And, you know, if you can add that fifth linebacker in somewhere or a safety, that helps as well. So. Joel, I got to ask you, man. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here looking at a photo from your rookie year with the New Orleans Saints, and I can't help but notice that you have a giant 
neck roll uh, playing <laughs> in the game. Um, and then I noticed when you played for the Jaguars, you didn't have that neck roll. So be honest. When you played for the Saints and rocking that neck roll, was it more for looks than anything? And, and did it kind of uh, hinder you as a pass rusher? <laughs> it was definitely not for looks. Okay. That thing was the ugliest thing you can wear, probably, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> you know, my whole career I had pads all over me. Again, I was, you know, I think I was 242 pounds there when the Saints drafted me. And, uh, you know, at sometimes in practice they even had me at a three technique. And wow. It was, I would literally just grab grass and, and uh <laughs> especially when I was double-teamed. So, um, no, that that neck roll was definitely for protection. I had a few stingers and burners in my day, and um, I was trying to add any weight any way I could, to be honest. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> uh, Joe Schmeggy with us, former Jacksonville Jaguars player, defensive end, 35-and-a-half uh, career sacks, played in the league uh, in the entire 90s decade, New Orleans Saints for a bit, Jacksonville Jaguars for six years, and uh, now 51 years old, just turned 51 in April, and I'll, I'll give you credit, man, you've stayed out of the headlines. It's not easy seeing what you've done after uh, football, and I always like asking folks, uh, life after football, how's it been for you? You're up in Michigan. Uh, what are you up to? Give everybody an update. Uh what you have been up to the last uh, couple of decades so we we have we moved back to my hometown here originally uh from hudsonville um actually just uh, bought an old farm here in hudsonville that we're renovating right now with some land so we're excited about that as a family um but uh just pretty much been you know taking it one day at a time it's hard when you uh you know, you play in the league that long and kind of trying to find your way after. Um, I'm, I'm actually blessed with a good job here. Um, I manage uh, and oversee our, our consumer's energy contract that we have with a traffic company. So I actually get to mentor and, and kind of help younger guys uh, cruise um, through, through the workforce. And so I'm enjoying that. And uh, I've got four kids. Uh, one of my, actually my, my middle daughter plays basketball for the University of Michigan. Um, and I've got a son that will be a senior this year and then, uh, a younger boy as well. And they're, I they're all involved in sports. Um, but life is good. Absolutely. Good, uh, good to hear it. Uh, good for you and the family and being back home is always a, a pretty cool thing, but I think, uh, you always have a home in Jacksonville as well. Do you have plans to come back, uh, during this 25th season celebration at all? Yeah, we are. My wife and I had talked about it. We're going to come down, and I think it's in October. Dan told me that, Dan Edwards. Yeah. So, uh, we're looking forward to that and reconnect with some friends. We've, we've got a lot of family on my, wife, my wife's side that are still there in Jacksonville, so we do visit. And, uh, you know, eventually with these winters, I don't know how much my wife's going to be able to take of these, so maybe we can get down there at least half the year in the future. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Hey, let me let me wrap up with this. Uh, you mentioned Tom Coughlin a couple of times already. Obviously got this thing going in Jacksonville. Uh, now uh, in his early 70s, a uh, two-time Super Bowl champ as head coach of the Giants, back here trying to make it happen with Jacksonville. Uh, what's your What do you tell people uh, when they ask you? And when they find out that you played for Tom Coughlin, what do you tell them uh, about TC? I just, you know, again, I, I was I was blessed to uh, have had him as a coach. You know, um, 
a lot of people, you know, criticize Tom and the fact that, um, you know, for being such a hard worker or hard on his players and, and people around him. But uh, I would just say it just the opposite, that it, it's a blessing. You know, he, he challenges you uh, to be the best that you can be in every area of your life. And um, it was a it was a pleasure as a as a player to have had the time I did with him and um, a lot of his traits that he was you know trying to push into us players were things that I grew up around so it was music to my ears and uh, you know with his hand back on the rudder here I I think they're gonna get things going in the right direction. Um, and I'm I'm excited for Jacksonville. I'm a Jaguar fan, so um, I think there's good things to come. Well, hopefully it'll be a good year, this 25th uh, season celebration. Uh, we appreciate you taking a few minutes, man. Good to catch up and, and talk to you. And uh, how about you play the schmangy role? You be the fans in this one. I'll say it as we go out of here. Number 99 for the Jacksonville Jaguars, Joel. Smingy. <laughs> it's a lot better than I did. Uh, never, you're the first one to ask me to do that. It's the first time I've ever done it. Crush it, man. Uh, you absolutely crush it. You just made another play here in Jacksonville. Good catching up with you. We'll see you in October, man. Thanks a lot, guys. Be blessed. All right, Thank you, you, man, too. you too. Joel Schmeggy, uh stopping by Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. That's cool stuff. Uh, and I yeah. uh, readily have to say, listen, some of those things – you know, wasn't a part of in the early years. Uh, yeah. But to uh, hear those guys talk about it, and yeah. it's cool. It's a cool thing about sports. It's a fun and time we've been having, uh, really reliving some of these memories. Hopefully, uh, you guys out there listening, if you remember those memories, yeah. uh, brings a smile to your face. Joel, don't get it twisted either, man. Like, especially when I was in high school, wearing those big neck pads, like your neck roll, that, that was in, man. Like, Dude, that was it football. was uncomfortable as heck, but it made you look tougher. I just thought it was bigger. part of the uni, man. I, I mean, that's like, what I'm saying, man. Up. You'd be ashamed of wearing that. You look tough with that. But, yes. Uh, especially being defensive end, m- mobility uh, is lacking a little bit with, with a giant neck roll. That's awesome. Uh, Joel Schmenke, uh, glad he could uh, stop by and, and chat with us for a few minutes. And like uh, he just said, he'll be back in October at some point uh, for a Jags game. We'll be back with Stay in Your Lane and put a bow on the show, plus winner of the poetry contest for Guns N' Roses tickets coming up. All right, Matt Sturman says, Roses are red, violets are blue. Glad we don't have to watch Blake throw another pass off Yeldon shoe. <laughs> I mean, is that a... Oh, man. <laughs> That's pretty good. All right. Oh, that, yeah, I like uh, that. Roses are red, violets are blue. Your Super Bowl MVP, Gardner Minshew. Matt's got a couple of entries here. I'm not mad at that one either. He's, All right, we go, like the, he, he, By the he, way, he's a cult hero. These have been very good, and... I think we might have to pick an, uh, multiple winners. Yeah, they're going to go in multiple directions. We'll see too. what happens tomorrow, but we want, we'll have to get more. We need more competition to, yeah. to, uh, keep it going for another day. But, uh, right now we are going to announce a winner and he called into the show earlier and he's going to be on the line right now winning Guns and Roses tickets. If he can deliver the poet, poetry once again. It's Mark who joins us on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. All right, man, you're a winner, but you got to deliver it to us again in style. Roses are red, violets are blue. Folds leads Jacks to first Super Bowl, and for him, win number two. Yeah, I like it, man. That was yours. I like it. Yeah, you you called it a Quentin Tarantino movie. It, it was like a Tarantino movie. I didn't know where he was going with it, but the rhyming wasn't there until the very end. He added a little bit onto it. 
That's what we're looking for. I liked it. <laughs> all right. Hey, Mark, uh, stay on the line. Coos will get you all your information. Thanks for listening to the show, man, and thanks for jumping on and uh, sharing some poetry with us. Thanks, man. You guys rock. All right. Thanks, uh, you, man. Oh, now that I go back, was that the conversation about... The, the sharks? The sharks guy, yeah. Oh, that was a sharks yep. guy. I yep. didn't even realize that. Yeah. Uh, so we had some really good entries. Uh, we'll, we'll keep them up. We'll do it for another day. Yeah, it'll be another and, day's uh, worth. Don't worry. And we'll have tickets tomorrow, too. So maybe we'll pick a winner out of that group, unless I think of something else. But uh, thanks yeah. for participating. Either way, thanks, to the list. thanks for listening. Action Sports Jackson, ESPN 690. Okay, got a few minutes left. Stay in your lane. Okay, a while back on the show, Brennan, uh, for Cruise Control, actually, I talked about Carey Price, the goalie from the Montreal Canadiens, and his relationship with 11-year-old Anderson Whitehead. For those of you that don't remember this story, Anderson's mom passed away due to a terminal illness, and last night, oh, I'm sorry, but her last wish was for her son to meet his hero, Carey Price. Well, during a pre, uh, pre-game skate, um, Carey Price came off the ice and gave the boy his stick, and then and more importantly, a giant hug and told him it was going to be okay. They shared a great embrace, and it was a cool story. Well, let's fast forward now to last night at the NHL Awards. Um, they, they honored the boy, brought him on stage, told the story, and then Carey Price actually sent the boy a video of, uh, you know, of just him wishing him the best. Well, um, it turned out to be a little more than the video, and I know Kuz is on the phone right now, but we need to hear that audio. <laughs> <laughs> He's buried in the phone. Coos, clear the audio. <laughs> He's getting into it. My apologies. <laughs> you should have. Uh, heaven, heaven forbid the kid can, can hey, Anderson. Here we Hope go. you're enjoying Vegas. I just wanted to say that uh, your mother was a special person, and sharing that moment with you is something that I'll always remember for the rest of my life. It was very special to me. But hold up, hold up, hold up. Where's he going? He didn't finish his message. Everything's okay, right? I got a round of applause for the young man here. Okay, so I have I have two things for you. One is this jersey, and the second is a question. Do you want to go to the All-Star game next year? Yes. Yeah. Alright. Well hopefully I'll see you there next year, okay buddy? Sound good? Hockey guys are the best. Get it to keep it together, Austin. Yeah, I mean, just a really cool moment, you know. Um, that's why sports are so great, Brent. We talk about it all the time, but anytime um, you, you can help out a young kid, you know, who's going through a traumatic event, um, it's a pretty cool thing. So shout out to Carey Price and good uh, stuff. Pump your brakes, Anderson. Yeah. So uh, pump your brakes real quick, Brent. I'm cheering for. Uh, bare knuckle boxing, and you know what? I'm gonna pump the brakes on myself because <laughs> I never thought that I would be so intrigued. Yeah, go ahead and myself pump my brakes because I never thought I'd be so intrigued for a bare knuckle boxing match. But guess what? I'm gonna pay whatever the 15 bucks online to watch it stream live in Tampa Bay because there's an interesting match for the main event. Pauli Malnagy is taking on Artem Lobov. Pauli Malnagy is a former uh, boxing champion. You guys probably know him if you watch boxing on Showtime. He's one of the color commentators. Hasn't been in the ring in a long time. Well, he's taken on Connor's best friend, Artem Lobov. And the reason why this all got started was because Pauli Malnagy was talking smack about Connor. Artem Lobov, you know, heard that, stepped in. And uh, even so much to the fact where they, when they had their, uh, their face off a couple weeks ago, Pauli spit in Artem's face. Ooh. 
So one would think, uh, yes, Pauly being a world champion and Artem Lobov being a 500 uh, MMA fighter, that Pauly has advantage. But just keep in mind, this is bare-knuckle boxing, so you can use the clinch, you can use the tie-ups and everything. And Pauly's uh, Achilles heel, if you will, has always been the fact that he's broken in ha- his hands during boxing events. Well, when it's bare-knuckle boxing, man, uh, you got to punch a certain way. So interesting thing to watch this weekend, bare-knuckle boxing. Pump a lot of blood, breaks. baby. A lot of blood, Get rid man. of season blood. Oh, a lot of blood. It's barbaric. Uh, yeah, speaking of Tampa, one of the big stories today, could the Tampa Bay Rays go to half the season in Tampa, half in Montreal? Uh, interesting to follow. Uh, we'll see you on TV tonight, CBS 47 and Fox 30. We'll have the latest in the sports world. Back at it tomorrow as well. You'll be on the road. Got a wedding to attend. Have a yes, good sir. weekend, man. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. All right. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.